Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Senior political analyst Britt Hume wants to know where the left's outrage was when the Obama administration pretty much did the exact same thing back in 2013. This very kind of thing that the president said he was concerned about can indeed happen, and it is not the first time. Uh, five years ago, on Thanksgiving weekend at San Isidro, at that border point there, there were uh, a bunch of migrants broke loose and rushed the border, and they were subdued with tear gas and and the other nonviolent methods that were used. Uh, no howls of outrage uh, at the Obama administration about that that I can remember. I think that what we have discovered through time here is that this president engenders outrage on the left and it and the left will seize and its politicians and supporters will seize on whatever they can with precious little reflection on whether what he is doing is really a complete departure from what's been done before and welcome back to flyover politic podcast it is the 30th of november year of our lord 2018 yeah brett you nailed that I, I i'm gonna do a good section on the caravan today but i just want to make sure we have facts first because that's what's supposed to be happening on CNN and democracy dies in the dark and all this bullshit. But they're not telling the truth. Obama did the same thing for crowd control you at the CS. But by the end of this podcast, you're going to think that Donald Trump went into his hellscape of Christmas. Another bash that they have now, which would never be tolerated during the Obamas. And made CS himself tear gas. And sprung it on innocent people for the first time in human history, at least U.S. history. And it's not true. It's just not true. They ignored everything, and now it's a huge thing. Great tweet from Brandon Darby with some facts first. Nearly half of Mexico is under control or influence of paramilitary transitional criminal groups using serious weaponry for Central America, including grenades and RPGs. How would they possibly handle that without their military? These groups we call Mexican cartels openly attack military caravans, murder journalists, police, and political leaders. Areas like the state of Cojula have restored much peace, but that only happened because militarized police crushed Las Zetas with brutality, deaths, and human rights abuses. They treated it like war because it is war. I see so many journalists and activists denouncing Mexican military solutions or other warlike solutions to cartels, but what the hell else are they supposed to do under the circumstances? We don't live in a land of unicorns and rainbows. The U.S. could help by identifying the most ruthless factions of certain Mexican cartels, CDNs, and the Rayosa faction of Gulf cartelists, foreign terrorist organizations, and going after them accordingly. This would enable going after these factions, including anyone or group handling their funds or assets in a manner the Treasury Department kingpin listings don't. Other cartels and factions would see the example and tone it down. As it stands, the U.S. and Mexico only go after some cartel heads, but they aren't the biggest problems. It's the others from organized crime circles who refugees to go after, political politicians, bankers, lawyers, they largely get away with it and just replace token cartel boss. This is why the cartel's problem can't be resolved. These other U.S. leaves alone are often the Mexican politicians and diplomats we engage in diplomacy with. So out 
the State Department ends up protecting many of the real problems to protect diplomatic relations with Mexico, make no mistake, we can build walls, hire agents, and change policies, but true border security won't happen until Mexico is okay with it and won't happen until we change how we see and approach cartels. If you have Netflix, Narcos Mexico sums up what's going on down there, folks. There's a reason why conservatives don't want every Mexican on the planet to come across. And it's not because we're xenophobic racists. That's a bad place. I went to Mexico, I don't remember, 2013, 2014. While I was there, 10 white gringos got their heads chopped the fuck off by gangs. Right next to me. I was staring, staying where they keep all the Europeans for this trade show. And two hotels over, they took people out of their fucking rooms and chopped their fucking heads off. Our media doesn't cover it because they don't want to cover it. But you can't tell that on MSDNC. They listen to the president who says it's not women and children, it's stone cold criminals. So my first question is, you're in that tent camp. Besides that family, give us the profile of who is there mostly and what are they looking for? Because it seems as though, to your point, they don't actually have the necessary information so they know how to cross the border. There could have people, there could be people yesterday who were running because they thought it was their only chance. Right. And it's very difficult because this has become such a polarizing issue. If we kind of take a walk, you'll, you'll be able to see for yourself. Again, this is the inner sanctum of the shelter. Uh, so uh, you're, you're going to see a lot of families here, a lot of uh, women and children. Uh, but the, the truth is the majority of the people that are part of this caravan, especially outside, if we can make our way all the way over there, uh, we'll show you the majority of them are men. So uh, when this becomes a polarized political the United States, you have people on one side uh, that point and say there are women and children here, and that is true. And then there are others who point and say uh, these are, are men that, that are trying to cross the border, and that's true too. Um, from what we've seen, the majority are actually men, uh, and some of these men have not articulated that need for asylum. Instead, uh, they have talked about you know going to the United States for a better life and to find work. Uh, but if we come this way here, we're just going to uh, leave. This is where, where there's a, a food bank that's set up and you've got a long line of men earlier we saw about five six hundred men standing in line waiting for uh, food and it looks like that's dwindled down but this is the outskirts and we're going to pass through here i'm going to show you where there are some uh there are some police officers and uh and this is the this is the outer perimeter this is where we're starting to see uh, a large portion of uh, police that are forming up on each side of the caravan. So uh, this is the outskirts over there. Way down by those trees, there are police, many police in riot gear. And we don't know if they are here to actually protect the migrants, uh, which is another thing that we've heard because there are people here in Tijuana that want these migrants to leave, or they are here because they may make some sort of incursion into this shelter and try to remove some of the people that were involved uh, in yesterday's skirmishes. Guys? Since we know the media are leftists, and we know the left uses emotion over facts, from Syrian refugees to this caravan, the previous caravan, it's never just women and children. But most people in America are so fucking stupid, they don't research for themselves, so they fall into this emotional trap of, oh, look at them bad people. 
being mean to those poor women and children. We have other examples in our Fire for Effect of just staged photos again. We're back into the staged photos. This time the media didn't run with it because it got pointed out that it was staged, photoshopped. It's fake. When the gas was used. The gas, because we're Nazis. The media is so wrong on this. They're ignoring that these people are starting to pack up and leave because most of them aren't political prisoners. And Buck Sexton breaks down the biggest lies. Most women and children? Lie. Most valid asylum seekers? Lie. No known criminals? Lie. Won't make it to the border? Lie. No external organizers? We already showed Beto O'Rourke's doing it. He's sending money. Soros is sending money. They've been funding this because they needed it for the midterm. Troop deployment's not helpful? Lie. No threat to U.S. personnel? Lie. It's all a lie. So, they they want to manufacture something to pull at your heartstrings. Tie up your heartstrings and search for yourself. If you manipulate Google in such a way, you'll find the truth. You just have to get past the initial articles, which will always be the opposite of what you're looking for. Other things up front, Tom Arnold got visited by the Secret Service because he's been saying so many threatening things, which is fucking fantastic. But in line with this, hey, Antifa's terrible, we have all these criminal organizations coming across from Mexico, the media goes out again and tries to prove that it's really not the left, it's right wing. Um, David Harsini, WAPO claims that American experience a surge in right wing terrorism is a partisan garbage piece. Continues, the same source of the Washington Post Global Terrorism Database, which shows zero terrorist acts by right-wing groups in 2002, but a surge since then, 36 acts, resulting in 11 fatalities. Or in other words, fewer homicides were committed by political terrorists, terrorists of any stripe in the United States in 2017 than were committed by illegal immigrants in the state of Texas alone. Which... I'm assured is an incredibly low number that shouldn't worry us very much. It's one of these in scaremongers, why not the other? Even if we were to accept the numbers, the Post decides to bury the lead. According to their own data, there were more fatalities due to domestic Islamic terrorism than all other types combined over the past three years. In 2017, there were 16 fatalities due to Islamic extremism. Fatalities from Islamic terrorism in 2016, which includes 49 killed in Gay Orlando Nightclub, 2015 were higher than all alleged right-wing terror attacks. There's just a strong case to be made that there has been a surge in Islamic terrorism in the United States since Donald Trump ran for president. Then again, none of the three authors of the article take the time to mention a single one in Islamic attacks. Facts. We don't do facts. We push. This week, Mohammed Mohammed Albi tried to run down people leaving a Los Angeles synagogue. So far, there seems to be no mention of this episode on the Washington Post website. It started as somebody tried to kill Jewish people. They dropped it when they found out that he was a Somali Islamist. CNN, NBC, MSNBC, CBS, and New York Times, AP. The only people that covered it was the LA Times because it's local news. Got to build a case. Can't build a case when it doesn't fit what you want. New York Times compares right-wingers on social media to jihadists. 
but they didn't cover. Someone burned a Trump 2020 flag while it flew on the Vermont veterans' lawn on video. He has it on video. Nobody covered it. They all ignored it. Other things. If you remember last summer when Politico magazine published a lengthy piece on how Portland had become America's most politically violent city, not one, not only were there May Day riots, the city even had to cancel its 82nd annual Avenue of Roses parade because Republicans were going to be marching in it and organizers had received a threatening email. Remember when Anifa thugs chased down an elderly man who refused to comply with their illegal street closing and turned down town streets anyway in defiance? That was Portland. If you don't remember that, you might also remember Twitchy reporting from last week in which journalist Andy Nagao, which we covered on the show, was assaulted by a mob while covering the Him Too rally. His tweet and story, you're an Asian giving into white supremacy. What happens when a gay journalist of color reports truthfully about Antifa, a self-described anti-racist, anti-fascist movement? My latest for Spectator USA, because nobody else would carry the article. While with its impeccably progressive monoculture, Portland is a fertile ground for leftist ideologies such as intersectionality and Marxism. Most Portlanders have little to no experience of talking to real conservatives. The resistance has become a powerful rallying cry for residents who think they are in a cosmic battle. Yeah, this is Page in Oregon. In reality, they are often just targeting their neighbors. Last year, the annual East Portland Parade was canceled after it received threats of violence to allowing a local Republican group to march to the family event. In August, a leftist man who brought an American flag to protest was mistaken for conservative, and Antifa ma'am surrounded him and one bashed him on the head with a metal bat. He laid on the ground in a pool of blood and required stitches for the injury. Then he goes on to talk about his incident that we talked about last week. But remember, right-wing extremism is through the roof. Trump supporters are beating the shit out of people every day in America, but nobody can prove it because there's no cases of it happening. And that's how we start off our show. Facts first, while the rest of this show will be the media telling you a banana is an apple. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. I wanted to challenge you on, on one of the statements that you made in the tail end of the campaign uh, in, in the midterms. That here, this, here we go. That, well, if you Let's don't go. mind, Mr. President, that this caravan was an invasion. As you know, I, Mr. President, I consider it to be an invasion. As you know, Mr. President, the caravan was not an invasion. It's a, it's a, a group of migrants moving up from Central America towards the border with the U.S. Thank you for telling and me that. I why, why, did you, why did you characterize it as such? Uh, because and, I consider it an invasion. You and I have a difference of opinion. But do you think that you demonized immigrants not in this all. election no, to try I to want keep them? I want them to come into the country, but they have to come in legally. You know, they have to come in, Jim, through a process. I want it to be a process. And I want people to come in, and we need the people. Your, you know, campaign, wait, your campaign. Wait, wait. 
You know why we need the people, don't you? Because we have hundreds of companies moving in. We need the people. Right. But your campaign had an ad showing migrants climbing over walls and well, so on. Well, that's true. It poured, it, but they it, weren't actors. They're not going to be doing they that. They weren't actors. Well, no, it's true. Do you think they were actors? They weren't actors. They didn't come from Hollywood. Right. These, were, these were people. This was an actual, you know, it happened a few days ago. And uh, they're hundreds of miles away, though. They're hundreds and hundreds of miles away. That's not an invasion. Honestly, Uh, I think you should let me run the country. You run CNN. And if you did it well, your ratings would be much better. If I I may ask one other question, Mr. President, if I may may ask one other question, are you worried? That's enough. That's enough. Weeks before this election, they're telling us that the single most grave threat to America is a bunch of like poor, impoverished, broke, hungry refugees a thousand miles away. That's like the thing that's really going to threaten Gary, Indiana. It's not, it's not like we need more jobs here. It's not health care. It's not like how are we going to educate our kids and get those guns out of the hands of our game. That's not the thing. The thing is, these folks a thousand miles away. And by the way, they're even using our brave troops, sending them down as a political stunt. Men and women of our military deserve better than that. Don't be hoodwinked. Don't be bamboozled. Don't let them run the okie doke on you. Because while they're trying to distract you with all this stuff, they're robbing you blind. They'll be like, look, 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 caravan, caravan. Then they're giving tax cuts to their billionaire friends. Did you feel as if you had enough agents at the border to handle this situation? Were your people overwhelmed? We were able to ma- we were able to manage this and effectively control this. But I want to be clear that all of our agents on a daily basis are fully employed. Uh, we had to bring in uh, several hundred border additional border patrol agents from around the country, several addition hundred additional CBP officers from around the country. That's affecting our operations in other areas. But the fact that no one made it across the border or passed our defenses, I would say we were adequately staffed. But it was not without a cost. And, and this was Customs Border Patrol personnel. This was not U.S. military personnel uh, engaged in this conflict directly. Is that correct? That's correct. Customs and Border Protection personnel. Uh, DOD is here helping us with, with the logistical support. They actually flew another 59 agents in and officers in from El Centro, the next sector over for us. And they were helping provide overwatch uh, but they were not doing any law enforcement role. So, so at the outset of this interview, you took issue with the idea that these were people seeking asylum. The caravan, though, the 5,000 to 9,000, depending on which count you believe, that is in Tijuana right now, those are people coming to the border, as far as you know, for asylum, isn't it? I do not believe that is true. I believe there are definitely people in that group that are, trying to, that are going to try to claim asylum. Uh, the vast majority of those from, the, from the, what we call the Northern Triangle are economic migrants, though. They do not meet the qualifications mm-hmm. to, to get asylum here. They can still apply. That, that, that's, that's a different issue. However, what I saw on the border yesterday was not people walking up to Border Patrol agents and asking to claim asylum. Uh, matter of fact, one of the groups that I watched, uh, the, one of the groups that actually several of them were arrested, 
they passed 10 or 15 marked Border Patrol units walking east to west, or west to east, I'm sorry. Uh, numerous uh, uniformed personnel as they were chanting, uh, waving a Honduran flag, and throwing rocks uh, at the agents. If they were truly asylum seekers, they would have just walked up with their hands up and surrendered, and that did not take place. What we understand has happened, and I'm not disputing that there are rocks being thrown, is that these are among the group that had been in Tijuana in that stadium, and they grew frustrated, they say, because they didn't believe their applications were being processed quickly enough. Now, I understand, CBP, you don't do the asylum processing. That's not your job. However, let me ask you if you think your, your job would be made easier by a smoother a more streamlined, a quicker assimilation process? So that's, a, that's qu quite often a question. Uh, I believe there's a lot of issues with our current immigration policy, if you will, the laws. I think Congress is, well, we've made con very clear to Congress what some of those fixes are. I think they could step in at any point in time and, and make some uh, legislative changes to help us out tremendously. But we're at capacity. So it doesn't matter what port you go to, where you're at. We are already resting at 2,000 people a day. We're processing just to San Ysidro, over 100,000 legitimate trade and travel uh, every day, 100,000 people, if you will. So any additional resources we assign to, us, to processing asylum seekers literally slows down the, the economy of the United States. It slows down people that legitimately cross back and forth across our borders uh, to include the international airports that many of you, I'm sure, fly in. Mm -hmm. We get complaints constantly about the lines as they are, uh, and we just have limited resources. I, I do understand that. I, I guess what I'm getting at, as we talk about a more comprehensive process to fixing the situation at the border, if making the process quicker uh, would make your life easier, you did answer, though, uh, that question largely. You said that you arrested mostly men at the border there. The pictures have included women and children, and there are those questioning, again, the use of the tear gas on the women and children. Is, is there some barrier in place to the use when women and children, children specifically, uh, might be at risk? So the use of that, those uh, less lethal techniques are, are uh, when the threat is to our personnel or to protect others, you've got to do what you've got to do. What I find unconscionable is that would, people would intentionally take children into this situation. Mm -hmm. What we saw over and over yesterday was that the group, the caravan, as we call them, would push women and children towards the front and then begin basically rocking our agents. So there's different types of uh, tools that we use, different types of CS deployment. Um, we try to target specifically the instigators, specifically the person assaulting the agent. Uh, but as you saw from the video, once that uh, chemical is released, it does go through the air. I was in an area where I actually inhaled quite a bit of it yesterday as well. That's what's going to happen in those situations. So what you heard with Jim Acosta and President Obama doing their partisan best to say that everything on the border is okie-dokie, showing mobs rushing the border, throwing rocks, having to be CS gas to get the fuck off, and then CNN interviewing one of the policemen that are actually there and totally downtrodden that they couldn't get the answers they wanted. They couldn't get the answer they wanted. It was the opposite of what they've been reporting on their network since the day it started. These people are not peaceful, little fucking, poor, downtrodden, political asylum seekers. They're a bunch of goddamn fucking criminals or people just trying to get across the border like they always try to get across the border. That's what they are. Which I thought was perfect.
Those came from Benny, Jim Acosta lecturing President Trump about the migrant caravan, not an invasion, 100 miles away, would not jump the border wall, showing videos of difference. Second part, Obama. Love that shit. Yeah. Sheldon Whitehouse, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, your in-debris three, the wretched refuse, your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Brian Schatz. Tear gas crossed the border against unarmed families and is a new low. That was once again a politician using the fucking poem that has nothing to do with immigration. Representative Barbara Lee, the tear gassing of women and children at the border is an atrocity. It's a violation of human rights and it's a grotesque betrayal of our founding promise as a nation built by immigrants. I've called for UN inspectors on the border and I reiterate that call today. Sally Cohn, if reports of few immigrants throwing rocks at the border are true, please wonder at whether a few rocks are really a threat to the heavily armed, militarized U.S. police border. Rocks aren't threats. They're just the excuse for Trump to respond with deadly force. Yeah. Hollywood weighs in on caravan crisis. Asswipe Trump, tear gassing babies. Tension has risen as members of the infamous migrant caravan attempted to storm Porter's entries. Holloway leading authority on liberal politics and passionate Trump basher, Rob Reiner posted an emotional response to news that border guards were firing tear gas on undeterred migrants. With these people, it's always, think of the children. So, of course, Reiner posted about how Trump is tear gassing babies. He tweeted, don't know how you get lower than tear gassing babies, but if anyone can, Trump will find a way. We will never get used to the horror that is this president. In response to Trump's tweet, tweet declaring that there will be no crossing, the always dignified and poised actress Alyssa Milano called the president an asswipe, among a few other things. In particularly unhinged tweet, tweet she th- wrote, You tear gas women and children, asswipe, and on Thanksgiving weekend, you piece of shit, asshole, motherfucking evil creature. Person. Yeah, it's very dignified. Sarah Silverman seemed to keep her cool better than her deranged colleagues, but still towed the party line by giving immigration law supporters a lesson on empathy. On Monday morning, she tweeted, If human empathy isn't your jam, how about this? You will be a stranger in a desperate need someday. How do you hope to be treated? When it's you who is an emergency situation, and instead of aid, you are punished for not following official protocol. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Albert Einstein was an effort, a refugee. Yeah. Okay. Scandal scar, star Kerry Washington tweeted the border guards used the tear gas was horrifying, and Spider-Man homecoming actress Zienda called it an abomination. Rita Panani. Never mind the hyperbole. Can you imagine a has-been actor who directed this sort of abuse at Obama being given a platform on the MSM? That was asked about Alyssa Milano's tweet. Would you ever be able to do this, darn it? Knowing that we know Obama did it. Would you ever? John Cusack. Josh Gad. Brian Schatz again. Who gave the order? Here was Simone Sanders of CNN. Reminder, they're asylum seekers. The United States government is attacking asylum seekers. Once again, truth gets in the way. All these people must ignore the back in 2013 under the Obama administration. Border officers were also forced to use pepper spray against those attempting to violate the border. As the Washington Examiner pointed out, the San Diego Union Tribune reported on an incident at the time, a group of about 100 people trying to illegally cross the border on Sunday near San Ysidro, Port of Entry, threw rocks 
and bottles at U.S. border agents who responded by using pepper spray and other means to force the crowd back into Mexico. Meanwhile, some of the media attempted to pretend nothing happened. Gina Olson, seriously turn on CNN now, nothing to see but people overwhelming our southern border on live TV and now the border is shut down. Brian Seltzer, I'm watching the coverage, the border, south border is 1,954 miles long and it's not being overwhelmed. Of course, the Germans didn't have to abrogate the entire French border in order to invade France in 1940, so this point is idiotic. The length of the border does not, in fact, determine whether the border has been overwhelmed. Andra and Alexandria Kasia asking to be considered a refugee and applying for status isn't a crime. Well, throwing rocks is. She did the usual left two-step. It wasn't for Jewish families fleeing Germany. It wasn't for targeted families fleeing Rwanda. It wasn't for com- communities fleeing war in Syria. And it isn't for the fleeing violence in Central America. Trying to equate it always to the Nazis. Leftist organizations are marching out to the border in support of the migrant caravan. A number of leftist organizations say they're marching to the United States-Mexico border to protest the United States Customs and Border Patrol effort to repel a migrant caravan. That has been threatening to storm and overrun the border. Groups like Free Our Future began marching in California on Sunday demanding an end to border control, totally open borders, and for the ICE administration to be abolished. Marchers carrying signs apparently printed by International Answer, Act Now to Stop War and End Racism, a known communist coalition, and wearing Che Guevara t-shirts chanted against U.S. immigration policy. It just fucking totally makes sense. Go back and find it's probably linked to Soros. The group Megente, which organized Free Our Future, has been a staple of pro-immigration protests since the beginning of 2018 and launched their own initiative to both tarnish and abolish ICE. You know, I'm not going to read the rest of this because it just goes on to all these groups. I just want to tell you, to me, this is a flashback of Bush. Nobody gives a fuck about anything until the Republicans in. We got all the war protests. We got Code Pink. We got all these motherfuckers out of the woodwork under Bush. And now we have all these anti-border people coming out of the woodwork for Trump. Yet Obama was the deportation president. You didn't hear stories about it. It didn't lead the news. There's an article in here, literally once a month in 2013 they had to do it. There were so many people trying to storm the border. They were throwing CS gas once a month. The media didn't even cover it. Because it was Obama. Now, I'm not saying it's great to see us kids. What I'm saying is, if you really cared, why didn't you care then? Why didn't the media cover it then? Nobody covered this shit. Nobody covered kids in kennels. Nobody covered any of the crap that we were going through now. It's, it's like a repeat of what we've already done. But because the president then was a black, shining example of Americans' fucking progressivism, we ignored it. And now that white Satan's in the White House, oh my God, what happened to America? Then to the story that I tip my hat to. Was photo of migrant mother fleeing tear gas with children at U.S. border staged? The photo shows a woman pulling her children reportedly fleeing tear gas. Jason Zepp, incredibly moving and potent photo of mother fleeing tear gas with children at southwest U.S. border by Reuters photo, Kim Young-Koon. 
Social media immediately filled with outcry. Trump is tear-gassing babies at the border. Read that again. Trump is lobbing tear-gas canisters and mother children at the border. Lordy, there are photos of children running from the noxious gas. This is Trump's America and American shame. Real news, real Trump. Who wants this? One person wrote on Twitter. But one observant Twitter found some unusual things in the very same picture posted above. In the background, it appears as if many people are not fleeing anything and a photographer with a camera on a tripod appears to be taking pictures of children running as another photograph shoots people posing as if fleeing. Cameraman taking pictures. People are at the border. Nobody's fleeing except this lady. There's cameraman taking a picture, posing as a fleeing few people, and there's a cameraman taking a picture of those few people. One guy running away, there's a cameraman taking that picture. Cameraman to the far right of the picture, having a group of people starting to move. And then there's this guy taking a picture of one lady with two kids. So within this photo, which I wish I could, if I was a YouTube, I could show it. There are four journalists staging photos. Of them, there's one can of CS, what looks like CS, but we don't even know if it's CS. It could be just smoke. Nobody's running anywhere, and we never would have known this had it not been cropped. Now remember, we went through this fake picture shit with the little girl crying where her mother wasn't being detained or any, she was being detained, she wasn't being arrested, and they took that picture and they ran with that for like months, even after it was pointed out it was a fake photo. So knowing that, they got so much traction with it, we now have a perfect picture of media bias. Four different journalists faking photos on the border. Four. And you can see in the background, nobody's running from shit. It's fake. Walk away, Mexican J-Lo tweets, fake news, media all share, same photo of a woman and kid cast. Perpetrators of invasion instantly become victims of new fake news narrative. Congratulations, you've been hoaxed. Look at the high-resolution picture of a guy in the back holding each other for the photographer to make it look like they're running. Another person. Look at the high-resolution picture of a guy in the back holding each other for a photograph to make it look like they're running. They know how naive and foolish the liberal, progressive, normal viewer brainwash gang is. Other expressed doubt on Reddit. We're supposed to believe that this person dragged those poor pantless children 2,888 miles in 45 days, walking 20 hours a day, and we're supposed to believe it's a totally organic thing not paid for by anyone. As doubt was cast on the highly publicized photo to well-produced videos just to post CNN Jim Acosta lecturing the president, which we heard in the beginning. Lawrence Tribe. Trump's unprecedented gassing of innocent children across the Mexico border was a lawless act of war and cruel violation of human rights, all provoked by Trump's own earlier violation of federal asylum law and of federal court orders enforcing the law. Where will this stop? And he tweeted this picture that is fake. It brings us to articles like this. Cable News erects false wall around a wall of falsehoods 
around Caravan. For the past month, talking heads on CNN and MSDNC have repeated numerous outright falsehoods about the Central American Caravan, namely that it's comprised of mostly women and children. You heard it. That's an MSNBC reporter who will never have a job again because he told the truth. That there is no evidence of criminal participating. We have plenty of proof, but to talk about more. And that none of those marching north are economic migrants. An MRC analyst of cable news coverage also identified eight instances in which panelists brazenly claimed that the existence of the caravan was itself a conspiracy theory. We paid some of those. This is just Trump fear-mongering, remember? For all the adamants, these cable news personalities have repeatedly failed to acknowledge statements from Mexican officials and DHH reports about the makeup of the Central American caravan. Mexican Interior Minister Nareta Prida on October 30th interview on Radio Enfoque 100.1 substantiated DHS concerns of gang members. I have videos from Guatemala that show men dressed in identical clothing, sporting the same haircuts, handling out money to women to persuade them to move to the front of the caravan. We have images showing many of them preparing Molotov cocktails. Mexican Ambassador to the U.S. Geronimo Gutierrez recently confirmed the presence of criminal element in the caravan. As of November 1st, DHS identified at least 270 individuals in the caravan with criminal backgrounds. There have been reports of migrants committing crime against fellow caravan members, as reported by numerous news outlets, including the Washington Post on October 29th. A man in the caravan attempted to abduct a child who was also making the trip north. The same piece from the Post also described cocaine and marijuana being sold openly. The ranks of those bearing this information include not just frequently panelists on CNN and MSDNC, employees as well. CNN chief political analyst Jeff Tubin on New Day, November 3rd, complained that Trump not has got this fantasy of this caravan. Joe Scarborough, a repeat offender, phony, cooked up by Republicans. Meanwhile, during the October 23rd episode of MTP, Chuck Todd insisted there was no evidence of any criminals in the Central American caravan. No evidence. None. November 1st, CNN political commentator Simone Sanders shouted over McCain presidential campaign advisor Adolfo Franco when he claimed accurately that the caravan was being supported by an NGO called Pueblo Sin Fronteras. This is, stop, stop, this is a conspiracy theory. This is a lie, Jake. This is a conspiracy theory. And it's not. USBP agents from El Centro Sector arrested an MS-13 gang member from Honduras last weekend. The 29-year-old man told the agency had traveled to the U.S. border with a large group of people from Central America with the intent of entering illegally. Three others have been apprehended along the way. Mexican officials, 270 of the caravan, gang-related. But you'll never hear that. You'll only hear this. The last two years have been tumultuous for a lot of us. And honestly, I wouldn't have even said I'm a very political person, but I seem to have found myself 
speaking out on a variety of issues. Girl. I want to be known as an advocate for the ACLU. I'm an uh, ambassador for them for immigration rights. Obviously, even this morning coming here, I was reading about all the tear gassing of children on the border, and it's devastating. You know, I am an immigrant, and I, and I really identify with those people. When someone leaves their home and everything they know and belong to to go to another country, it's because they have little other choice, and we forget that. We have plenty in this country, plenty to share, plenty for everybody. And I think we need to remember that the reason we're great is because of this melting pot of immigrants and this great cornucopia of influences and cultures and traits and, and just, you know, expertise that we call from all over the world. That's really, to me, what makes America great, not just its military or its capitalism, although those things are also built by immigrants. Uh, as unfortunate as this incident is, uh, I'm not sure that it proves that we need a border wall. In fact, it's the opposite. The border worked. Border security here worked. So however many people rushed the border, 39 were arrested. They are going to be deported. No one breached the border. So shutting down the border worked. And it also proves that we don't need, a, a I think, a border wall because the migrants made an act went out of their way to go to the Tijuana entrance because the rest of the border was considered too hazardous, too dangerous to cross. So they went an extra hundreds of miles to the port of entry of Tijuana because they considered that the easiest. So in other words, the system is actually working, but you know the politics better than us. And so how will this play out over the next two weeks uh, as we lead up to a government shutdown? Yeah, well, well, you see already that uh, the president is using uh, this incident at the border there to show what he thinks uh, is this violent band of migrants uh, who want to overtake the border there, who want to throw rocks. Michael Smirconish, it's something of a Rorschach test, though, right? Because people will look at the picture and say, tear gas on women and children, is that what America wants to be? The flip side of that is 5,000, maybe more migrants in this so-called caravan in Tijuana now. 500 of them did rush the border, which is a picture that President Trump will look at and say, that's what we need to stop, too. Right. And I haven't looked this morning, but my hunch is that on a different cable outlet, it's all about migrants who are lawless and are rushing our border. So people will look and see in this what they want to for their own political They're objective. A mile from our border. And they might as well be a world away in terms of what we're doing for them right now. Yeah. For the U.N., for UNICEF to have to come in and help with something that's a mile from our border, yeah. it's not who we are. It is who we are. Got to expose it because we should not be this way. I'm glad you said that because you, do you remember um, a while ago when you said, you, you said, this is not who we are? And I said, Chris, sadly, I think this is who we are. Remember? What I said was this is not who we are when we're at our best. It's not who we should be. But sadly, this is this is who we are now. And I know the thing that this is the thing that galls me the most. Every time you point out something that's happening now that is that should not be happening. The knee jerk response is, well, Obama did it. Well, somebody else did it. Um, you know, well, you know, Hillary Clinton. And no one wants to take responsibility for what's happening now. None of the people that they always blame the knee-jerk response to go back to about, well, this person did it back in this, and this happened during under this administration. None of these people are in power now. And when, when the previous administrations were doing it, if they were, then people took notice. Maybe they did for some instances. Maybe they didn't. But the outrage in that time was seen, and it happened then. 
that was then. This is now. Can't we deal with what's happening now? Yeah, I mean, look, it's an excuse, Don. I mean, that's what it is. It's just politics wouldn't work in any other phase of your existence. You'd never get away with that, uh, you know, here at work or at home as a rationale. Um, that's politics, and it's poison politics. And it also happens to not be true. We've never seen caravans amassing of this size in this way. We've never had a president, not in our lifetimes, talk about people the way this man does. Okay. We've never had a president like okay. this. Okay, you hit the nail on the head because people say, well, there were, um, what do you call it, tear gas or those bullets, right? Right. Um, that they said, oh, well, you know, that happened under Obama. Mm -hmm. It may have happened under Obama. The, the, the instance that I read about it was one border agent who was there and he had to defend himself because there was a crowd mm -hmm. and did it. But no president has stirred up hate, no modern president that I know of, has stirred up hate against people like this, has stirred up controversy uh, against people, and just stirred up anger. And so um, there is a difference. Mm -hmm. Most administrations doing their job to the best of their abilities. When they got something wrong, usually they apologize or they say, you know, uh, uh, we can do it better. This administration always points to some other thing. And they don't want to take responsibility for it. Then they double down on it and they marginalize people by stirring up hate and anger I, and division. I, I just don't get it. Un-fucking-believable. <clears throat> Un-fucking-believable. The media during the Obama administration, when anything was criticized of Obama, they would research when Bush did it, assuade that it was Bush's fault, link it to the Bush administration. It was never Obama's fault. Nothing Obama ever did was his fault. It was always Bush's fault. But when we get Democratic presidents or Republican presidents, it's like the first time anything's ever happened. Republican presidents are writing history, usually the wrong way. That in itself is media bias. The Chuck Todd, Jake Tapper, Don Lemon, Cuomo, Nightly News, CBS, ABC, George Snuffberger don't say, well, isn't it true that during the Obama administration we've done this, should we be doing this? They can still keep their liberal prose, which is, this is not America, this is not who we are. They can still jerk off to the Statue of Liberty, Liberty poem, give us your tired masses, but factually report the truth, and they can't. They're, they're incapable on any subject and as we segue out, this one itself is un-fucking-believable. President Trump barnstorming Mississippi in support of Republican Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith, despite a series of racially charged controversies plaguing her campaign. The president defending Hyde-Smith and directly attacking her challenger, the Democrat Mike Espy. These far left, oh, he's out there. How does he fit in with Mississippi? Just but I could go over this, but how does he fit in? The remarks coming hours after a pair of nooses were found at Mississippi's state capitol. Espy supporters hoping to turn anger into turnout. There is still a major Senate race to be decided now three weeks after the midterms. Voters in Mississippi will head to the polls tomorrow. And tonight the president is there putting his support behind Republican Cindy Hyde-Smith. 
who has been under fire. And tonight, more of that video now surfacing, during which she says if she was invited to a public hanging, quote, I would be in the front row. ABC's chief national affairs correspondent, Tom Yamas, is there tonight. Nooses found hanging today outside the Mississippi State Capitol, along with these signs. One reading, we're hanging nooses to remind people that times haven't changed. But Hyde Smith is under fire for racially charged comments recently caught on camera. Your comments offended a great number of people. Have we already no, you haven't. I'm wondering though, what, what? Video from earlier this month shows her alongside a supporter joking that if he ever invited her to attend a public hanging, she'd sit in the front row. For anyone that was offended for my, by my comments, I certainly apologize. A photo also surfaced from 2014 showing Hyde Smith wearing a Confederate Army soldier's hat. Race has always been a factor in Mississippi politics, but today, another reminder of the state's troubled past. Two nooses were found on trees at the state capitol in Jackson, hung by critics of Senator Hyde Smith. And this morning, a disturbing reminder, this race has become all about race. Two nooses found at the state capitol. Hyde Smith came under fire for saying she'd welcome sitting in the front row of a public hanging. Comments her campaign dismissed as a joke. Anytime I've said anything to... Somebody got a fit. I want to apologize. She felt very badly. She certainly didn't mean that. And tonight, a new controversy. The Jackson Free Press reporting Hyde Smith attended an all-white segregated high school and sent her daughter to a similar school. There was a question asked about education, and her response was to, we need to get, she said, there needs to be less of the federal government involved in local education. That's before the Jackson Free Press broke the story about her being in a segregated school and putting her daughter in the school. So it was clearly a dog whistle because no one knew she literally meant that. She went to a segregated school in reaction to the federal government having implemented Brown versus Board. This, is, this wasn't in 1954 when she was in school. This was much later. Um, she's ridiculous. Um, and I'm sorry when you asked me a question, I should have just said, nice to see you, thanks for having me, because that's how she answers all the questions that Vaughn asked her. I hope that Mike can win. It is going to be tough. Um, I hope he can pull off a Doug Jones miracle. At the very least, though, uh, he'll be able to make a dent in the way that Andrew Gillum did in Florida and in the way Stacey Abrams did in Georgia. But at the very least, um, I hope Mississippians get out and vote against her. Uh, some Republicans, uh, through Vaughn's reporting, have been saying that she represents the old South. They don't like that anymore. So I hope Mississippians get out and vote against strange fruit Cindy and make sure she's gone with the wind. Yeah, the only the only. The uh, thing I disagree with in what you said was the word dog whistle. When you're when one of your first acts in the in, in the state legislature is to try to rename a highway the Jefferson Davis Memorial Highway, that's not a dog whistle. That is loud and clear. When I was speaking specifically to the education no, you're, you're piece, not, you're, 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 but you're this is right. what's sick. It's loud and clear. Why are people voting for that? It's it's disgraceful. And and frankly, I, I hope that they stand up tomorrow. And you know, Cindy's almost she's cartoonish almost in, in what she does and the things she says and does taking pictures with Confederate hats on and what happens. Except you. this is not a cartoon, this is real life. And no, also, it is it is also, real life. You know, the thing is it's 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 worse than, than criminal because look, Nikki Haley provides a very good model of a Southern Republican governor who understands it's time to take down the Confederate flag, which is exactly 
what it is that she did. So she proves that you can win, you can be a successful Republican woman politician in the Deep South and, yeah, and fight against those symbols. This woman is doing so despite despite but then she's it. doing a disservice to good republicans she's of doing a she disservice is. to good republicans but it, it speaks to some deep bone of conviction in her with mississippi's history and at the risk of sounding endorsing i'll take that risk a vote against cindy a vote for mike espy is a vote for emmett till it's a vote for schwerner cheney and goodman who were killed in mississippi and it's a vote for mega evers um, what she represents is disgraceful and to uphold all the history they people like her would say the civil war was a war about a way of life what well, a way of life was slavery yeah <laughs> and goodness. in mississippi lynching this is real life this is happening in 2018 and we hope that the people of mississippi will get out there and vote tomorrow coming up is this a one-off Midwin, or is it something more than that? It wasn't just that one comment. Then there's a photograph of her uh, wearing a Confederate hat, holding a rifle. She went to a segregated academy, and that was many years ago, but she sent her daughter to one. She's not doing it as a mistake or a one-off, but what does it say about what's going on in some states that this is uh, appreciated, supported, reflective of something. Well, well, let's unpack this. I mean, this. nooses were found hanging in the right. state's capital yesterday. Right. Well, let's unpack this, and I think it's important to have a robust conversation. And the way to do that is sort of go back into the history of Mississippi. Mississippi, as we know, is, is one of the, of, of the few states in the South where it was a battleground for civil rights. In 1955, as we know, Emmett Till was brutally killed, 14 years old, for allegedly whistling at a white woman. And that sparked off the civil rights movement. So Mississippi is a state that historically, as we know, uh, uh, has, has not been kind, and that's an understatement to African Americans and what have you. But when you look at her as a candidate, not only has she made these comments, I personally think that that's just indicative of who she is. She also doesn't appear to be competent. I watched uh, snippets of her debate with Mike Espy. She had a stack of notes in front of her. She was unable to answer very simple questions that you would think uh, would come from the heart. For example, when she was trying to apologize for this comment, it came across as dead. It was not sincere. She was not contrite. On top of her comment about a, attending but a public hanging. maybe she doesn't hanging, need to be, and that's the scary thing. That, that is the, I don't know, but that's the scary thing. My thing is, to, to her point, is she doesn't appear to be a competent and qualified candidate. And even that voter who your reporter spoke to said she doesn't appear to be that strong, but I'll vote for her anyway. So Mississippi, you know, the good people of Mississippi Mississippi have a choice to make. Well, that's when they're uh, voting for the platform. I, I, I guess so, but I guess so. But I, but I think it's important for for Mississippi and the rest of the country to pay attention to this and recognize that not only did she make that comment, she also joked about voter suppression in a state where African Americans had to fight blood tooth and nail for the right to and vote. She's referred to and the Confederacy as the best era in Mississippi's history. I don't think these are one-offs. I think I think not. this is reflective of who she is. That's right. And the lesson of Mississippi is that deep-seated racism is a lie and well in the United States. Which, which I think people is the, have been saying from day one, by the way. And remember Ferguson <laughs> and Baltimore and everything yes. that happened in the, well, that the, seems yes. the long past. And I think that Trump yes. has created an environment that enables this. Yeah, I think Hyde-Smith is going to win. Uh, I think she said some things that were uh, not great, and she didn't handle the apologies well. Uh, it strikes me that based on the general election results and based on the fact that I've not seen any evidence or public polling that tells me this race is tightened, 
that it's more likely than not that a Republican is going to win this election because it's a nationalized election. And the people of Mississippi like Donald Trump's agenda. They're more likely to send a senator to Washington to support his agenda. So my presumption is this race is going to be less about uh, what Hyde Smith has not done well on the campaign trail and more about whether they're just going to continue to support the Republican agenda and the Trump agenda in Washington. Are you, are you surprised, though, Scott, in all honesty, that you'd have a president of the United States and, and a president openly supporting someone who has made those comments without any good explanation except for the obvious as to why she made them? Uh, no. I mean, he's a Republican president. He wants a Republican senator. It would be a huge embarrassment for his party to lose this seat. And he loves the campaign, so I'm not at all surprised Scott, he's in Mississippi. Scott, we've had these kinds of discussions before where you offer this kind of values-neutral horse race analysis of what should hey, Max, be extremely hey, brother, disturbing. Listen, brother, I don't to answer any, to you, okay? Let me we finish my comments, Scott. And you, you, you jump all over me. I don't answer to you, Max Boot. You let the Republican Party. I don't answer to you. I talked to Don Lemon. I don't answer to you. Can I please make my comments, Scott? Is this your show, or can I make a comment to you? You interrupted me, so I'll interrupt you back. Let him finish. Go ahead, Scott. Go ahead, Max. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. And there's no need to call names here. Come on, Scott. You don't have to call him kind of appalling. I've been he, on he does Scott this before. to me. Don, we, we get on these shows and you're Max not me get a word and he calls me a Scott, okay? And this I'm a political analyst. I'm not a word in He tells you what's happening. Let him make his point. No, Scott. Okay, you're trying to filibuster because you're embarrassed by about what I'm going to say, which is that you engage. No, I'm embarrassed to sit here with you, Max. I'm embarrassed to sit here with you. And with your sanctimonious That's what I'm embarrassed about. Okay, I'm embarrassed by your filibuster, and I'm embarrassed by the fact that you will not call out this blatant racism on the part of Sidney Hyde-Smith and Donald Trump. You offer this kind of values-neutral horse race analysis, and you refuse to condemn the dissent into bigotry of the Republican Party, the party of Lincoln. This is a disgrace to what the Republican Party has stood for for so much of its history. Mm-hmm. Oh, Scott, there it been, is. I, I got to say, Scott, Scott, I got to say that Scott does condemn um, bigotry, and he does criticize the president at times on this show, but, but go, go on. Neil. But he's not doing it now, Doug. There, he is yeah. not doing it now. He's offering yeah, a analysis this, about why these appeals to prejudice will be successful politically. Okay, Nina, go on. This, this, this win at any cost is the problem in America right now. When somebody in your party, in your, if they wrong, they just flat out wrong. And this senator is wrong all day long, 24-7, 365. The woman did not even, excuse me, the senator did not even apologize. And to continue to make excuses for her makes no sense. Mississippi is going to have a day of reckoning tomorrow. And unfortunately, Scott is probably right. They probably are going to re-elect her for the reasons that he just named. And you have these high-level Republicans who continue to support her. Not one of them have called her out. So my message to America is that we cannot be so tied up and to political to who your party is when people are wrong and they upholding bigotry and just flat out racism we got to call people out she should not be reelected tomorrow but shamefully she just might be reelected tomorrow welcome to mississippi usa mm. well you know um, and and i know that uh, scott you're offering analysis um and um strategy but my, my original question was more of a personal, do you think it's this kind of person that should be in, you're not a voter in Mississippi, so maybe your answer is, that's not for me to decide. But listen, I, I want to hear, here's what, this is what President Trump said tonight about Mike Espy, the black man uh, running against Hyde Pierce. Watch this. Cindy's far left opponent, he's far left. Oh, he's out there. 
How does he fit in with Mississippi? Just explain. But I could go over this, but how does he fit in? How does he fit in with Mississippi? What is he talking about? Um, I don't know. Oh, my God, Don. I, I would rather for him to be far left and far racist. That, that really is what this is coming down to. We can't sugarcoat this kind of stuff. And, and, and the Republican Party should be ashamed of itself. And if they were, Don, they would disavow this woman and just say, you know what? Let the Democrat win. We, we, we just can't even have this. And, and you want to talk about the fact that they only get 8% of the African-American vote. This is one of the reasons why everybody, whether they're black, because this is not just the black people's burden. So I don't want to hear no smack from Democrats about how the black community got to come out and save this state in the same way we saved Alabama from an alleged pedophile. Mm. White America needs to stand up and call this out. And this should not be about political affiliation. This is about moral affiliation. I got Now, that was the Mississippi runoff. Nooses were put around. The media used it to be a cudgel against the Republican because they didn't want the Republican to win. She did. And then after the fact, buried and tweeted on CNN, nooses and signs, some referring to the upcoming Senate runoff election, have been found on the grounds of Mississippi State Capitol. A state spokesman says one of the signs read, we are hanging nooses to remind people that times have not changed. It was a lefty organization. Remember, right-wing extremism is on the rise. Because if you keep reporting unfactual fake news, of course it is. They dropped it after the truth was found. Dropped it. Wasn't a thing anymore. Moving to Twitter. Heinz Fiend threatening Twitter bans or lawsuits or whatever for misgendering is a giant exercise in begging the question... In order to make the argument that misgendering is wrong, you would first have to prove that people have a gender. But how can you prove such a thing? Gender, we are frequently told, is not rooted in biology. It's not rooted in autonomy or chromosomes. It can be viewed under a microscope. It's immaterial. You can believe it, but biological males say to me, ignore my anatomy. My gender identity is female, and you must refer to me as such. He's not simply asserting his dogma. He's imposing it on me. If Twitter forces me to do the same, they're engaging in an anti-religious bullying, harassing those who reject the new hip orthodoxy. And if the state hops in, well, that's just flat-out theoretic tyranny. If gender identity weren't so wrapped up in leftist agenda, this would be more, much more obvious. If Bill says Ella is a soulmate, but Ella marries Dave, we won't let Bill sue Dave for violating his civil rights. We'd say to him... You can't believe that Ella is your soulmate, but you can't force everyone else to believe it. We normally recognize that organized societies around the unprovable philosophical religious concept is a recipe for disaster, but the Selma envy riddled youngster want to play both sides in their civil rights movement LARPing. They want to be the heroes on the right side of history, and they also want to be the guys controlling the fire hoses. Twitter is a perfect platform such an endeavor where users can tattle on those who refuse to embrace the new orthodoxy and where admins can say, we don't care about free speech or religious freedom, use the pronouns we want, or get out. Leftists may value freedom as a tool, not as a concept. Freedom of speech, excuse me. 
Once they've used the free speech tool to assume positions of power, they will burn it lest anyone else use it to take the position away from them. When people imagine Christianity to be foolish and cruel, the religion they invent to replace it are a thousand times stupider and more oppressive. Oh my gosh, it's like I wrote that. Sean Davis, men and women are biologically distinct. Democrats tried to steal the election in Florida. Kalashki killing is irrelevant to U.S. NASIC interest in the Middle East. And Jack lied to Congress about his response to anti-conservative death threats. He did it in response to Twitter bans conservative writer, combat vet Jesse Kelly. They likely violated their own policy in doing so. Because here we go. The onlet's on. That young African-American conservative, he's been banned for the third time. They won't even, nothing he said is wrong. They just banned him. Conservative writer, radio host, and combat veteran Jesse Kelly was banned Twitter on Sunday. According to the explanation and screenshot provided by Kelly to the Daily Wire, Twitter violated their own policy by not informing him of the content that apparently earned him the permanent suspension. Your account was permanently suspended due to multiple or repeated violations of Twitter rules. This account will not be restored. Please do not respond to this email or replies and new appeals for this account will not be monitored. Thanks, Twitter. Amanda Prestikami, Jesse T- Kelly, tells me this is the only communication he got for banning. I have a statement from Jesse Kelly, his suspension. Throughout history, the powers that have always feared greatness. Nelson Mandela and I aren't the first to be per- persecuted. We won't be the last. I'm not reading the best, because that's just fucking, you're not Nelson Mandela. Conservatives have been worried about the seemingly targeted censorship of conservatives on social media platforms like Twitter for some time. Now... As noted by Daily Wire editor-in-chief Ben Shapiro in July, Twitter essentially copped to so-called shadow-banning conservative accounts. Twitter's argument is that they aren't preventing you from seeing the tweets of people you follow. They're just requiring you to visit their Twitter page directly, which is shadow-banning. The ban on Kelly who says he doesn't even cuss to, on his account, coupled with the new Orwellian Twitter guidelines regarding transgenderism, only adds legitimacy to the growing concern from the right. Moreover, Twitter isn't even upholding their own restrictive policies. As highlighted by conservative writer Gerald Beer, Twitter violated their own policy when they banned Kelly without telling them why they banned him, which is what they have to do. It's part of it. On the back end of the show, they have banned a trans person. For saying anti-trans orthodoxy. They have. But it's just not them. Fearful of bias, Google blocks gender-based pronouns from new AI tool. Basically, your autocomplete going forward won't give you his or her. Because those are not appropriate pronouns, you fucking caveman. Gender is a construct made by Wizard of Oz. That actually would make more sense than the shit they're saying. Hmm. And then Peter J. Hassan brings down the gauntlet. Google employees debated burying conservative media in search results. We've obtained internal Google documents showing employees discussing pros and cons of burying Daily Caller, Breibart, in results. After the 2016 election, Google has never manipulated its search results or modified any of its products to promote a particular political ideology. Our processes and policies do not allow for any manipulation of search results to promote political ideology, Google spokesman said. This is the second known instance of Google employees advocating for manipulating search results for anti-Trump purposes. Wall Street Journal previously reported that the employees brainstormed ways to combat travel ban through the search algorithms. 
There's a reason conservatives have come to distrust social media and internet companies. When you can't beat them, bury them alive, people said. Google searches have been heavily slanted against conservative news outlets for years. What they are basically talking about is tinkering with their algorithm to give conservative results even more of a handicap. Another person said, and I've already outlined it on the show, try to get an anti-left article. Try to search anything against the liberal orthodoxy. You gotta work for it, bro. It's not gonna come easy. They will shove out... I mean, if I do an anti-left thing, I get anti-Trump articles. If you search HuffPo, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is fucked up, you'll get it. That's on the back end of the show, too. But if you search the increase in gay uh, LGBT agenda in the Thanksgiving Day Parade, you will not get that. They automatically bury it, folks. So to say that they're not doing it, it's a lie. It's just a lie, man. It's a 100% fucking lie. They're doing it. They do it all the time. It's what they do. They have nothing better to do than trash fucking conservative and bury them. They don't see them as real news. HuffPo was a made-up liberal site. It's real news in our media. They, they report articles from them. It's about as slanted as you could get. It makes the fucking Daily Caller look like it's NBC News in the 60s. So, yeah. yeah they're fucked up. Some more saucer. Cal Griffin, a crowdfunding campaign organized by Muslim American community, has raised more than $120,000 for victims of the mass shooting at Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. It's beautiful to see the Muslim community in Pittsburgh come and support the Jewish community of the Tree of Life. This is Love Thy Neighbor. Problem is, it made $238,634, and instead of giving it to the Jews, they're going to decide where they send the money now. That's being dropped in this, oh, look at them do something nice for Jewish people. If a conservative group was getting money for transgender surveys or surgeries and their crowdfunding was $100,000 and they made $130,000 and said they're not giving the $30,000, this would be front page news. Would it not? Huh. Let's go to... Hate tweets. Hate tweet of the day. In 2018, we need to be talking about misinformation because misinformation is what is guiding people's choices, behaviors, and actions. There's been a lot of misinformation about what's happening around the world and it's creating a lot of chaos. It's only through looking at the challenges that our new technologies bring to society that we can really address them. We can't sweep them under the rug. We have to look them in the eye. There really is a fundamental problem with information on the internet these days. We have to decide what we as a society want our information ecosystem to provide. The weaponization of falsity is something that we will probably, in retrospect, look back on this moment 
as a defining feature. Misinformation is uh, is a perennial um, problem. Since the days we could speak, right? We we can we can also lie, and since uh, the days we could lie, we could fabricate, we could create new stories. What changes is the technologies that emerge. In the era of social, we have platforms that are built for virality. This is what they're for, right? It's to help people get a message out. The information also just keeps coming. So you don't just hear it from one person, you hear it from multiple sources. And so it gets to that whole illusory truth effect that if you hear a piece of misinformation enough times, you start to believe it's information. I really got into debunking health myths online because of what I heard my patients bring to me, you know, things that they'd read that were completely false. I believe we've gone past the age of information and we are stalled in the age of misinformation. It's a huge problem, you know, it's a huge problem. When you're trying to get people to vote and there's been an effort to tell people misinformation, telling people that polls close at five, when in fact they close at eight, or telling people that the INS or ICE will be at polling places. These are things that we, we've seen in the past in isolated situations we're seeing much more common now. Climate change is happening right now. It's affecting people right now. We're seeing hurricanes, massive wildfires during seasons when it's not normally wildfire season. That's really dangerous to have that type of misinformation um, shared commonly and have them pretend that science is lying. Climate change doesn't care how you vote, doesn't care if you're a Democrat, doesn't care if you're a Republican or if you're independent. It affects everybody. When we talk about things like race, a very salient kind of idea and organizing principle in our society, that's based on misinformation. It's based on the idea that people can be classified by the color of their skin. And the way that we understand race in this country is that the closer you are to white, the better you are, and the closer you are to black, the worse you are. That is all based on faulty science that people adhere to and get taught from the minute that they're born. One of the more uh, unnerving things to realize is that there don't seem to be any consequences. There's no reprisal, there's no reputational harm. Falsity has now increasingly been woven in to the fabric of what political discourse looks like, which makes it harder and harder for the citizens to sort out what, it, what the fact base is on which they base their judgments about policy and about social directions. The way that I try to approach it is I try to give people good skills. I try to show people how they can learn to look for information, where they should go, which I believe are reliable sources. So I think it's really important for, for people who do have the knowledge to extend their privilege and put their hand up and say, okay, I'm an expert. I'm going to put down these truth markers for you so you have this as a starting point. To be a source of good information, you have to have integrity. You have to be somebody that people trust. You have to be someone who people know they can go to to get the real. And it's exhausting, <laughs> to be honest. But it's important. The best way to, to change someone's mind is, is to be empathetic and to do it one-on-one. -on -one. Reaching out and saying, hey, you know, I, I saw you shared this. I think that actually you might want to look at this other source, too. I, I don't think that this is quite the way that, that that source is reporting it out. Gently convey that what they've shared is perhaps not the most accurate. And so we're in this interesting moment now um, that, that gives me hope, which is that people are building tools, processes, um, principles, standards, and uh, new ways of, of interneting. The most powerful political work is one-on-one -on -one con conversations with people because somebody can confront you immediately. That's not true or prove to me that it is true. I uh, was going door-to-door -door in uh, Tulare 
and I came to a door. I'm trying to get people out to vote. And I said who I was in Spanish. He said, well, tell me why you're here. Why is it important for me to vote? And I did my best after this exchange we had. He said, you know what? I'm going to go to vote, and I'm going to go to vote because you asked me. I'm going to vote, going to go vote because I think it's important for this community. I found hope in that. The people going into journalism now are terrific. They are conscientious. They are truly motivated by a desire to serve the public and to engage and to sort of make the world a better place. I am hopeful when I see the amount of grassroots activism happening across our nation. It's so inspiring to see folks take that sort of power into their own hands and work with their own local officials. We have a lot more work to do, and that gives me hope. It makes me feel like we can do it. We're not small, we're not marginal, we're not tired, and in fact, I would say we're just getting started. So that's a long soundbite basically about climate change and they want to dismantle social media. The left's big push now is to get rid of all social media because they can't control the message there. They have controlled the media. They get all their people into positions that they can talk and push every cause they ever want on every network other than Fox. They've got Google, Microsoft, Apple, all suppressing liberal or conservative media on the internet so you can't really get stories out and then their party won't even have interviews or treat them like real media like conservatives used to do to HuffPo but they can't control social media they can't get their fingers on it even though we prove every time we turn around that it's pretty liberal it's not liberal enough it doesn't go to the religion the ethos What's even worse, everything's political now. Dictionary.com again. If you follow Dictionary.com, you know that the people behind the social media account like to post snarky words of the day comments on what's usually a political issue. For example, after Vice President Mike Pence praised the president of the cabinet meeting, they linked it to syncophant. There's a word, syncophant. Syncophant, sorry. There's a word for a person who would praise someone every 12 seconds. Syncophant. And it was retweeting a Washington Post article. And when Florida gubernatorial candidate Ron DeSantis asked voters to not to monkey it up, they ran the whole dog whistle shit that we already covered on the show. So, this year, the truth is, the word of the year for 2018 is misinformation. Because words matter. Derek Hunter, never thought I'd see Dictionary putting Joseph Goebbels to shame. That's a hell of a video. Did Lena Roshan direct it? It's pretty clear the Dictionary.com social media team is liberal and doesn't mind showing it. And that was the video we listened to. Dual concept. Misinformation and the left's campaign to get rid of social media. Jim Tretcher. I miss the days when there was no misinformation, back in 2009 to 2016. Ben Shapiro, remember the golden era when politics were filled with truth-tellers who would never lie about Iran, keeping your doctor, executive orders, man. Good times. Yeah. Good times, you fucking hypocrites. Then, there's this nugget, which, man, I just love this one. The DNC has a job opening. For a rural outreach director, the problem is it's based in D.C. Yeah, that's where the job posting is, which just shows it's lip service. 
Kwasim Rashid, out of order, because it doesn't let go with any of this stuff. I, I had to do it. Update a list of nations that have used gas on civilians. Italy, Japan, Germany, USA, Egypt, Iran, Syria, Trump. This must stop. Adding to the above list, U.S. government has used tear gas in Ferguson, Baltimore, Standing Rock, Philly, and more. And yes, more examples like Germany, France, U.S., U.K., and Australia using mustard and pea gas during World War I. He ran with the whole, it's real gas. I put it in the hate, because that's just hate of America. He's a Muslim. Author and musician Mike Joliet is sickened by the situation at the border, not by the rock-throwing migrants, thugs, mind you, but rather by the notion that liberals melting down over our border patrol responding to violent behavior should put their money where their mouth is for a change. Sorry, I got a computer lock up. Dear racist white people, stop saying if you're so angry you should take refugees in your home. Those of us who are not racist pieces of shit don't think of people who walk out of a war as vermin or criminals. They're just people, immigrants like us. Somebody was a smart ass and said, hey, you got to take somebody in? Hey, racist asshole, we are an immigrant family. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> wow. Then uh, Representative Eric Solomon, all going into the beautiful left's new thing, just drives me fucking batshit crazy with my five-year-old just asked, why is Trump a piece of shit? Representative Solwell on an AM flight passenger told me to keep pursuing Russia investigation, but urged me and my colleagues to look deeper into the Kasagi murder. This is about who we are. Are we a nation of transactions or values? Everybody was like, yeah, no. And then our big TDS of the week. This got so much coverage. You'll see our non-biased media got involved. Melania Trump, the People's House White House, is ready to celebrate Christmas and the holiday season. Nothing says we gas immigrant children like blood rest Christmas tree is the first tweet on that tweet. And then they didn't stop. When there's blood on your hands and surrounding you at Christmas. It wouldn't shock me to see Florida's hanging a little immigrant kid ornament from that tree. The White House is anything but sparkling. It's the headquarters of unprecedented heartlessness and cruelty, shrouding in nothing but ugliness and darkness. Immigrants are being tear gassed while seeking asylum for their violence-rated home countries. Is there blood on the tree? If you haven't seen it, there's a row of red trees in a hallway, and they just grabbed it. Molly Jong Fast. I wrote about why it's important to keep second trimester abortions illegal. Oh, I know I got this. She wrote a big thing that got retweeted 15,000 times on this, which somehow I didn't copy. And then she ran this thing. So that's why we're here. Uh, I'll read it after I'm done with the Christmas trees. I fucked that up. There's your fuck up. I'm not going to edit it out. Oh my God, I can't believe I just fucked I forgot her damn tweet. Oh Jesus. But the, the trees then started the media. Nothing like a festive black outfit to evoke the ghost of Christmas purgatory. How fast can you go to hell? Somebody from Slate said. And then they put out an article. What message is Melania Trump sending with their red Christmas trees of death? Now, watch it once again. Could you do this to Obama? 
seriously. Could you say anything about Miss Perfect fucking Bicep that wouldn't be racist or sexist? I don't know. Melania Trump unveiled this year's White House Christmas decorations on Monday morning, offering Americans their annual glimpse inside the psyche of the reticent, reluctant First Lady. Criticizing the First Lady. Interesting. Those who worried she couldn't stop 2017's icy wonderland of lifeless foliage can breathe easily now that we've been graced with the image of Trump fondling an ornament with arms characteristically unmurred from her sleeves. Last year, Trump marked her first Christmas in Washington with dancers performing a piece of the Nutcracker, a ballet in which creepy entertainer grows to a terrifying size, relies on white women to win him a major battle, and orchestrates a rather xenophobic display of world cultures. What? It's a nutcracker! The internet quickly seized on one of White House's holiday spectaculars, a dimly lit hallway packed with vases full of dead branches painted white, casting menacing shadows on the ceiling and the walls as a metaphor for Trump's own lack of warmth and lack of interest in leading the country in any productive direction. She must have taken the criticism to heart because that same hallway is now full of light. However, it's also lined with towering blood-red cones, a macabre lake on trees that taints what might have been a bounty of winter fruit with the flavor of death. Dwarfing any human that dares tread their unholy ground, the installation resembles piles of human entrails or perhaps cranberry boughs. Either way, the reek of the threat of execution, recalling both a row of handmaids lined up for a hanging in a rose garden painted red for the pleasure of the bitter queen. Merry Christmas. Then they go into the, what it should have been, because they don't like the red trees. But that, once again, was just the start. Washington Post, four fucking articles. Four. It's still a month until Christmas, but the Trump White House is never too early to start inducing flashbacks to phantasmal nightmares from our shared cultural memory. That's number one. Number one. Then they did another one. Uh... Oh, that was the first one. I'm sorry. Then there's this one under opinions. You're in Melania Trump's nightmare forest. Keep to the path. Walk faster, says Petra Dishes. Don't be afraid. The trees would smell it. Then they did perspective. Look, maybe this just isn't Melania Trump's thing, but that's fine. Then they did. Melania chose red Christmas trees for White House and Europe. That's a bad sign. Four fucking articles on how she decorated the trees and I didn't go to HuffPo or MSNBC or the New York Times once again I decorate my house so I'm into holiday decorations That's not the point. The point is, could you do this to Michelle Obama the first time I was a proud of America is when my husband became president? Or a comment I left off last podcast. When I first met Barack Obama, I was kind of concerned about him because of all the white people he hung out with. Actual quote. She just did that recently. Could you do that? 
without being called a racist, without disrespecting the office of FLOTUS, which was a huge thing during that time. All of a sudden, the office of FLOTUS was a big thing. You couldn't even criticize her gigantic staff and all the millions of dollars we paid people for her to go around and destroy kids' fucking lunches. Couldn't even do that. It's just hate. It, It is hate on a level I can't even comprehend. How do you hate somebody this much that you di- you go batshit and do four... Democracy Dies in the Dark did four articles on fucking Christmas trees. Christmas trees. And you wonder why American people don't trust the media. You wonder why American people always say that the media is super biased to the left. And why conservatives says the media is all fucked up. They don't even give a, they don't even purport to be objective anymore. Oh, it's just a conspiracy, says Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo. No, it's not. Four articles on Christmas trees? From a paper of record? The Washington Post? Really? Back to Molly Jong, who was on this thread, and I fucked it all up, and I apologize. I wrote about why it's important to keep second trimester abortions legal. In a Wall Street Journal piece, Molly Jong, fast, if you got a hyphen name, you're a douchebag, writes about how being told that her unborn child had a 25% chance of having a potential fatal genetic disease is actually a great argument for keeping second trimester abortions legal. I wept every day. I thought endlessly about odds and what they meant. 75% seemed good one minute. The next minute, I was devastated. We arrived at the genetic counselor's office to learn our result. It turned out we won the lottery. My baby was not affected, not even a carrier. He was born the following January, strapping 9 pounds, 5 ounces. He's now 14, a freshman in high school. Having him was the greatest decision I ever made, but being forced to carry a terminally ill baby would have been the greatest tragedy of my life. This is why I'm committed to keeping second trimester abortions safe and legal. I have an opinion. Because we're in the new world where I can't have an opinion about anything because I'm a white male. A little woman do it for me. Momo. In some, because she didn't want to care for a terminally old child. This isn't a reason argument by Molly, has some feelings, so therefore a second trimester abortion should be legal. I enjoy how she uses the fact that the child might suffer to justify a procedure that involves tearing the child to pieces, a procedure she doesn't bother describing. For instance, less than 1% of all abortions are performed to save the life of the mother, yet so many leftists claim that is the main reason to allow abortion. She doesn't even bother with the argument. She'll be inconvenienced is her point. The baby will be inconvenienced. Can't have that. But that's nothing compared to Leah Torres, MD, the nasty woman OBGYN. Done. Done catering to ignorance. Done respecting different views when those views contradict facts. Just done. And to become a fetus, one needs permission to reside in someone's uterus and put that person's health in jeopardy. The baby needs permission to be in the mother's belly. Fucking ghouls. To our tweets of the day. 
Jim Scudo has just no longer trying to be something that is a journalist. He's just all in. I could have done a hundred articles on him today alone. He retweeted, wow, Ben Wiederman showed a picture. This is the shot of the day as Tunisians who managed to preserve the revolution against tyranny protest the upcoming visit of Saudi Crown Press Mohammed bin Salim. The problem is, it shows a man holding a chainsaw at a protest. The entire internet, other than Jim Scuto, well, other than the 300 people who liked or retweeted this fucking stupid ass, it's a Photoshop picture in the quest to bash Trump over the murder of the Washington Post reporter. You retweeted fake news that somebody Photoshopped the chainsaw from Texas for fucking the fucking Texas chainsaw massacre under somebody's hand. It wasn't real. Then we have this weird fucker. He's an author. I've never heard of him. John McCarthy. Some call me whale fucker. All right. There's a private club of a few dozen Maori men and one butch woman that meet in Molaski each year to fuck a whale. True. Men are paddleboards herds the whale while one tries to fuck it. Wouldn't let me in the club. Tried it alone. Epic fail. I don't know if that's true. But what the fuck? I understand people want to save the whales, but what the fucky fuck? What the fucky fuck? Mm. So our tweet of the day is two sound bites. Number one, Joe and Mika, who violated the HR laws of MSNBC, but because MSNBC doesn't have HR laws that are against fucking goats and sexual harassment. I mean, this is the Lauer Network. They got married. When they got married, they got married with the Constitution around them. Yes, they went to the Capitol to get married. And I'm just going to play that soundbite because what the fuck over. And then I want to play a blast from the past that came from this very network who supposedly is a news source and is all about Believe Women First and Me Too. This was the British guy who had a show who said somebody needs to shit in Sarah Palin's mouth. I just want it glaringly in your head. That's what those people say about conservatives is that it's okay. But you need to believe all women or else you're a fucking sexist. After that, some Christmas music. And on to news and social media nuggets. Enjoy. Joe and Mika are off today and this week. Why, you ask? They had a very busy weekend. Joe and Mika got married. It was a small, yeah, give them a round of applause. There you go. A small private wedding took place Saturday at the National Archives in Washington with the Bill of Rights and the Constitution as a backdrop. Congressman Elijah Cummings officiated the traditional ceremony, which he and Joe wrote together. Joe and Mika were surrounded by all of their children, which made it very special for them. Their kids, their family, and a small group of their close friends were there with them in Washington. Our congratulations, Mike. I talked to them last night. They sounded great. They're happy. They're excited, of course. One of the most comprehensive first-person accounts of slavery comes from the personal diary of a man called Thomas Thistlewood, who kept copious notes for 39 years. 
Thistlewood was the son of a tenant farmer who arrived on the island of Jamaica in April 1750 and assumed the position of overseer at a major plantation. What is most shocking about Thistlewood's diary is not simply the fact that he assumes the right to own and possess other human beings, but is the sheer cruelty and brutality of his regime. In 1756 he records that a slave named Darby catched eating canes, had him well flogged and pickled, then made Hector another slave, S-H-I-T, in his mouth. This became known as Darby's Dose, a punishment invented by Thistlewood that spoke only of the slave owner's savagery and inhumanity. And he mentions a similar incident again in 1756, this time in relation to a man he refers to as Punch. Flogged Punch well made Negro Joe piss in his eyes and mouth. I could go on, but you get the point. When Mrs. Palin invokes slavery, she doesn't just prove her rank ignorance. She confirms that if anyone truly qualified for a dose of discipline from Thomas Thistlewood, then she would be the outstanding candidate.
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Man, this is this is our generation, man. All you people, we're all together, man. It's groovy. And dig yourselves, because it's really groovy. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct, and it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, and they'll pop your figs. Save the whales. Gays in the military now. Military corner. Blast kills three U.S. troops, wounds four Americans in Afghanistan. U.S. military official did not release identities of the three service members killed pending next of kin notification. We do have the loss of the one from last podcast. Sergeant Leandro A.S. Jasso died Saturday after he was likely accidentally shot by an Afghan park partner. The death of Jasco and three service members bring the number of U.S. troops troops. Killed in Afghanistan this year to 13. Um, he was the ranger that was killed. Um, Jake Tapper is the only person that tweeted about it. Not surprising, but the only one. Two-time stolen Valor Creep gets sentenced to federal jail. Guy not once but twice claimed to have served in the combat in order to get VA benefits. Got caught again. He's got to pay back $297,000 in restitution, and we wonder why it takes forever. His name is Keith R. Hudson, 71, a fucking douche nozzle. Douche nozzle. A new novel from a book, the guy who uh, wrote Tom Ricks, uh, I believe wrote this. First day at the Pentagon, and they reorganized my job. <laughs> Interesting read, this poor bastard shows up at the Pentagon, there is no job, which kind of sums up why I made the eight list on a Monday and retirement was approved on a Wednesday. It is what it is. It's a bureaucracy. It's official. Disabled vets to see the biggest pay raise since 2012. Veterans with the highest rating of 100% will get a $100 bump. It's a 2.8 COLA. I'm going to get $70 a month more for my medical. And I think I'm getting 50 for my... Uh, pension that I earned also. So all in all, I'll get about $120 more a month that will just go to bills because that's what I work for. By not working, I just pay the bills. Uh, bills and groceries are what I do. So short military quarter today. Let's go into some college crazy. Connecticut College promotes David Hogg for Social Justice Month. Southern Connecticut State University is a part of a Social Justice Month that's scheduled to host gun control advocate David Hogg. SCSU promoted Hogg's inspiring message, an urgent call to action. Even though none of the people he promoted got elected and they did not win the governorship. I'm not going to read the article. Go fuck themselves. Um... The funny thing is, is the source I got this from, Campus Reform, asked Kyle Kashev if he's coming, and he goes, no, 
I wasn't. I, I was not invited. They don't want a debate. They want emotions, not facts. UW Madison hosts event for white identifying LGBTQ plus EIIO folks. Whiteness in Queer Spaces is an upcoming event at the University of Wisconsin-Madison focused on white LGBTQ plus members and their role in the communities. The university's gender and campus sexuality is going to host the event. This is intended for space. This is an intended space, meaning intended for white identifying to address and discuss their role in oppressive whiteness in queer spaces, community and beyond. We make program about race and ethnicity available to all students because research shows that students of color here report a less favorable experience, for example, being more likely to experience harassing or hostile behavior than white students. Our goal is for all students to feel welcome. We do not discriminate based on race, gender, or other characteristics. Events are always open to anyone who wishes to come. So it just proves to show, even if you're gay, you're not the gay the left wants. They want black gay people. That's what they want. You still have white privilege as a gay person. Isn't that a concept? Seriously, think about that for a second. In the religion that is progressivism, white gays aren't good enough gays. Hmm. Ivy League professor, open the door, let them all in. Princeton University professor Keegan Yamati Taylor tweeted in response to the caravan crisis, no human is illegal. Open the border, let them all in. Taylor has previously called President Donald Trump a racist, sexist, megalomaniac. He's a good dude. He's a really good dude. One of the academics who shared Taylor's remark was former Drexel University professor George Sicarello Marr, if you got either name, you're a douchebag, who claimed the Las Vegas massacre is what happens when white individuals don't get what they want. Circarella Mara resigned in 2017 after tweeting, All I want for Christmas is white genocide. Yeah. To our trans section, this is my trans tweet, and I want to use this as an example of, You fucking progressives are weird. Alright. Weird. And, second point, as I've talked endlessly and not researched because it is the holiday season i've been a little busy um i did a show on it and and once again these people don't even know what the fuck they want they don't so my tweet was the following hashtag trans men are not women i jumped on that after the segment we did last week everything in the world reproduces you need opposite genitalia that work i can get surgical vagina but i will always be a male regardless of what i think i am Whatever I think I am. I'm sorry. I can't even read my own tweet. Let's try that again. Everything in the world reproduces. You need opposite genitalia that work. I can get a surgical vagina, but I'll always be male regardless of what I think I am. People are free to do what they want with their lives and bodies, but facts remain the same. Okay. So as I said, I think on the last podcast, I had a shitload of response. People are still responding to this tweet. My little nobody tweet. The agenda has attacked him. Now, 20 of those people, last I checked three days ago, liked a Sarah Quigling, who is an ally, as I researched. Thank you for being supportive and affirming of transgender men. 
she took my tweet as supportive and affirming because, like I said, you do what the fuck you want. Maybe I am. That wasn't my intent. But within this, because once again, they don't know what the fuck they want. Your first line is right. The rest of it is trash. Don't know if that person's anti-trans or what. So in an infertile woman on a woman, we are not defined by having functional genitalia. Somebody broke it down to, uh, so women after a hysterectomy aren't women. That's not what I said. Okay. Trans men, AFAB people have transitioned to men are indeed not women. Also not having kids regardless of my genitals. My genitals aren't compatible with a partner for a baby making anyway. So I guess you're homophobic too. Somebody sent me a Bill Nye science guy supposedly resolving the case that transgenderism is normal and biology is just bullshit. So in your opinion, women only exist to reproduce. That's pretty fucked up. You see that? None of that's what I said, but they got to go for something. Because then they got upset that now it's, I think today was 40 likes of Sarah Quigling. I'm sure some of them think she's being sarcastic. She didn't seem to be. So, uh, this is a statement is weird. So, trans men aren't women, yes, but what's up with everything else you said? You're contradicting yourself. No, I'm not. I, I didn't say trans people are bad. I said they're not women. I was also wanting to mention asexual. Somebody went down to meiosis. Yeah. Cells reproduce, so that's your full of shit. Maybe that's what Bill Nye said. I didn't watch it. I came here to say this. I got about six times of people that said, yeah, you're right. Like you clearly don't understand how facts work was a big one with a lot of people. This was a person probably living in their basement. You're scientifically illiterate. A woman who has a hysterectomy is no longer a woman to you because her organs don't work. You're a fool. There's six common human sexes. Gender is not sex. Gender is a spectrum and a social construct. You ethocentric person. I don't know what that means, but okay. This is another one. What if one day we advocate the point where we can give people uteruses and people working testes so that trans men can get trans women pregnant? Also, nice hashtag. Well, what if a fucking elephant sat on me and then the fucking tooth fairy came in and sucked off the elephant? Because that's basically what you're saying. I don't know if the tooth fairy would suck off the elephant. I don't even know where that came from. I was trying to come up with something witty. Kind of came out gross. Thank you for supporting the transgender community. You're right. Trans men are not women. No matter the gender they were assigned at birth. It's just biology. That person was trans. If you thought you... There was another one. Thank you for supporting. I agree. I am trans. And I'll never be a woman biologically now why did I read the last two anybody Bueller Ferris Bueller yes Jimmy you're right this is no different than gay rights the actual people I had no trans people go you fucking piece of shit I am what I am And you need to suck it. The only responses I got from actual trans people was, you're right, biologically I won't be a woman. 
But like you said, I can do what the fuck I want. Yeah, you can. Be a goat. Be a fairy. Be whatever the fuck you want. Not a fairy isn't gay. Fairy has a fairy in the forest. We talked about that person. There's a person that's actually a fairy. Be a dog. We talked about the guy who's made himself into a dog. I don't give two fucks. Who attacked me? Non-trans progressive people. And it goes back to what I keep saying. It's not an issue. This is 0.0%. There are more people getting Lyme disease than there are trans in the country. But the left is pushing this shit. So it's the religion. It is the religion of progressivism. They have to attack everybody on the internet. And this is one person's tweet. This thread was huge. I got bored one day and actually searched the people that were spawning me. They went and responded to any person who did this trans. Women, men are not women. They have no lives. They live in their basement. Or, what I think, because I'm putting my tinfoil hat on, this is no different than Hillary. Remember, Hillary had a room of people that was just going out there attacking people on Twitter and putting out shit and correcting people and taking news stories and manufacturing it to be the wrong statistics about her emails. This, I guarantee the left has people sitting in rooms all day that get paid just to troll Twitter Turn people in for breaking the new norm on words that cannot be said. And it's like the fucking village from M. Night, M. Night Shyamalama fucking ding dong. The things we do not speak of. And reporting people, correcting stories, and pushing their mantras, ethos. And as they're doing it, they're coming up with new shit. And Twitter, Facebook, they're afraid to get the left to hate them more because they the left blames them for the election. And then they come up with shit like this. If you thought you'd seen everything, when Twitter announces they'd be suspending or banning users for misgendering or deadnaming, they get a load of this. Hello, True T Served. Your account, T.S. Jekyllie Jane, Jessica Jane, sorry, I don't know why I read it that way, has been suspended for violating the Twitter rules, specifically violating our rules against hateful conduct. You may not promote violence against, threaten, or harass other people on the basis of race, ethnicity, national origin, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, religious affiliation, age, disability, or serious disease. True C T serve T S Jessica Jane. No, you're not. We are males who want to be perceived as a woman. That's a very different subject. It's on us to try to look the part. She then got your account has been suspended and will not be restored because it was found to violate Twitter's term of service, specifically hateful conduct. She is a he who wants to be a she. Tatania McGrath, thank you, Twitter, for bravely banning T.S. Jessica Jane for the crime of misgendering 
herself. Now let's see about making internalized misogyny a hate crime. Internalized, sorry, internalized. I can't even read today. Internalized misogyny a hate crime. And I have a six-minute soundbite I'm going to play. This person is a guy trying to be a girl who agreed with, I'm not a woman. And he got banned for dead naming himself. And for those that don't know dead naming, Bradley Manning changed his name. Chel- uh, Caitlyn Jenner is actually motherfucking Bruce. But if you say Bruce and you say Bradley on Twitter, Twitter you're going to be suspended because that to them is a hate crime because you dead named them. They made their name dead. So really what conservatives should do is from now on, Patriot Reed is my name. And if you call me Tony Reed, you just <laughs> dead name me because I killed Tony. I am Patriot. Nobody has to do that, right? Nobody has to go with whatever the fuck you're calling yourself. I can call myself Big Daddy fucking Reed. That doesn't make me Big Daddy Reed. And if somebody calls me Tony Reed, I can't file charges against them. But we can for the trans world. We're making new rules as we go along, and that's one of them. So let's listen to this dude chick, Jessica Jane, speak about how she got bashed for dead naming herself and then got suspended for Twitter. Sweet Jesus, you people are idiots. Okay, I need to have a conversation with everyone about the word training and the word transsexual. First off, let's focus on tranny. I keep hearing from all kinds of people how it's a slur. Um, I remember the first time I heard it was RuPaul, Drag Race, Carmen Carrera said it was a slur. And I saw it on Facebook. My friends all taped their mouth with like tranny. It was like a rebellion movement against her trying to say it's a slur from a lot of older girls um and i'm starting hearing it again on social media i just heard about it they tried to say cardi b was using transphobic slurs and all that stuff um i'm 27 years old okay and i have never heard it was a slur until the carmen carrera thing Everyone I know uses it. And then I got banned from Facebook for making a page. It was going to be called Political Tranny. And then I started hearing about it again on Twitter. So I decided to make a video about it. Tranny is not a slur. I don't know who invented that bullshit, but tranny is slang. It is something that a lot of the drag girls use. It is something that a lot of them, I mean, escorts use. Ballroom scene girls use it. Well, they usually use Femme Queen more, but stop trying to call people that say the word transphobic. You don't know who they know and you sitting there attacking them like that, you don't know their group, you don't know their culture, 
is not going to make people less transphobic. It's going to piss people the fuck off. That's all I've been seeing from, like, all of politics over the last few years is everybody just wants to piss everybody else off. There's no really trying to come to an understanding, but I'll talk about that in a different video. What I really want to talk about also is transsexual. I have started hearing that transsexual is a slur. I have heard it several times and that is killing to me. I'm going to get my phone right now. Let me take a, take a sip of some soda. Okay. We are going to go into the root word of trans. Everybody should look it up if they don't believe me. Beyond, across, through, or changing thoroughly. Which in this case it would be changing thoroughly. And then sexual, everyone always thinks sexual means sexual, but relating to the two sexes or two gender of or characteristics of one sex or the other. Make sure you look that up if you don't believe me. So transsexual means pretty much changing sex or physical appearance and everything like that um like it would but relating to like sexual characteristics so hormones um surgery transitioning now i'm hearing i just i just don't know where it came from i don't know where people started calling that a slur i mean i get some of the people on the opposite side who are like it's this conspiracy that they really want to erase us or something because of some of the bullshit I hear that I wouldn't be dysphoric if I had grown up with like a non-binary life or something that that's like a byproduct and it's like no I knew I was a woman I knew I was a woman since I was five well anyways we can get into all that shit later. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. So, I mean, if we're going to really play this, I'm offended by everything culture, then why don't I just say I'm offended by transgender? I mean, look at the word. Look who it includes. Really, look up the umbrella of transgender. Go to images. Crossdressers, drag queens, anyone with gender expression. So you're lumping me, a transsexual with a medical condition, with basically crossdressers, transvestites. If you don't know what a transvestite is, there's people that dress up in opposite sex clothing for a fetish, um, usually male. And if you really want to go into the gender expression part, every lesbian is transgender, every butch lesbian, every stud, um, every femboy, every feminine gay man is transgender. I mean, every feminine straight man is transgender. 
every tomboy is transgender if you're just going to go into gender expression. So that kind of completely erases me, doesn't it? I mean, if I really want to make a movement, I mean, we could do that. Y'all want to say transsexual is a slur. Y'all want to say tranny is a slur. You want to call everyone transphobic. So maybe all the girls need to get up and say transgender is. I don't know. But I'm just trying to educate everyone on the meaning of the word, um, how a lot of people use the word, um, how I've used the word for 12 years. Um, I hope y'all listen. Okay, so that, that to me, once again shows what I just said. Trans people don't give a fuck. It's progressives that care. Just like gay people didn't give a fuck. A majority of gay people could give a fuck if they could get married. Their marriage was their marriage. Whether they had a piece of paper from the state or they didn't. Just like we did. None of us all of a sudden went, oh, I'm really married because I got a piece of paper that's recognized by a church or a state. In our hearts, we were already married to somebody. We already devoted our lives to somebody else. We didn't need that piece of paper to validate it. And with the trans issue... They're not making up these rules. They don't even know what the rules are. They're making it up in chat rooms all over the fucking internet as we speak. New pronouns and cis turf and Jesus Christ. Which brings up a great article. Five questions about transgenderism that no leftist can answer. Last week it permanently banned this is twitter a feminist who committed the unconscionable sin repeatedly insisting that men aren't women this past weekend the company clarified its stance on the issue according to the new rules you're not allowed to engage in slurs or tropes that might offend transgender individual these slurs and tropes include misgendering dead naming a transgender person of course misgender means referring to a person by the biological red actual sex Dead naming sounds like a code word the CIA might use, but apparently it means calling a transgender woman by its original male name or a transgender man by original female name. Any of these offenses might earn you a permanent ban from platform. Some conservatives seem surprised by the increased attempts to silence those who acknowledge and affirm biological realities. I am only surprised by their surprise. This was always inevitable and it only gets worse from here. After all, what other choice does the left have? They literally cannot engage with the other side on this debate because there is no debate. Transgenderism is an article of faith that has no reference in physical reality. It cannot be defended logically or scientifically. If they are going to maintain the radical theory of gender, they can only do it through intimidation and force. The leftist position on this topic is so divorced from reason, so utterly indefensible that they cannot even explain their own view, let alone defend it against the intellectual challenge. They can only issue assertions and then shout ad hominems at anyone who refuses to immediately believe and adopt their philosophical ideas. I lost my place. To demonstrate this fact, here are five very basic questions that any proponent of transgenderism and gender fluidity should be able to answer easily, but cannot. Number one. How precisely does a biological male come to the conclusion he is really a woman? Anybody out there? Anybody? 
Two, if he arrives at this conclusion based on the fact that he feels like a woman, how does he know what it feels like to be a woman? Coupled with the third question, what exactly is female feeling? And if you said that, would that make you a fucking mansplainer? I added that in because that's what I thought of. Is it a mansplaining? Will you feel like this? You should feel this. And there are other groups that's wrong to do that, isn't it? Number four. Even if it made sense to speak of female feelings and female thoughts, and even if it were possible for a man to know for certain that he is experiencing those feelings and thoughts, in what objective sense do these feelings and thoughts make him a woman rather than simply a feminine man? Which is what I've always looked at him as. And finally, but the left tells us that gender is a social construct. They reject the idea that women must necessarily have a particular feeling or thought or taste or preference. If gender is indeed an artificial construct and our physical features have no bearing on our identity as a man or a woman, then what in the hell is a woman? A woman, in that case, is not defined by her feelings, thoughts, ideas, preferences, or her body, reproductive organs, chromosomes, DNA, etc. So what is she defined by? If he isn't defined by anything, then how does it make sense to call yourself a woman? Isn't that like calling yourself a wo-who's-a-what's-it or a thingamadoodle? Isn't a woman now a term empty of all objective meaning? Isn't it? If I am violating a norm by saying trans men are not women, but women and men are an abstract construct that the white man came up with to keep everybody down, why does that matter? We're supposed to be fluid. There is supposed to be no gender. On the other side of the coin, they want us all to be X. Nothing. He ends it with, I've never heard any leftist offer a satisfactory answer to these questions. Really, have I seen anyone even attempt an answer? That's because there is no answer. They're proposing circle or square circles. They're insisting on something that, that is not only scientifically, but logically impossible. All they can do with such an insistence is insist it. Only logical propositions can be explained and defended. So they don't bother. And why should they? If they can make their ideas mandatory, it doesn't matter that the ideas are absurd. And he's spot on. People lose their jobs over a goddamn concept concept that people came up with during the Obama administration. Because all of a sudden, you couldn't go to your standby. Everybody in America is racist. Then we elected Trump and they went back to it. So when they're not saying everybody's racist, they're running these new ideas and interesting concepts that are being brought brought up in fucking liberal chat rooms for the next wedge issue. Even though they have the usual wedge. Abortion is a woman's right until the fucking kid goes to college. All blacks are being lynched in the street, and women are no longer authorized to work. They are just in the house 
making bread, and baby factoring. Fucking morons. Then there was this one. I, I'm going to read the whole article because this is just exactly what I thought. I've always seen it. It's what I've always said about the African-American crowd. Why the fuck do they follow the left? Because they are worse than the right? The soft bigotry of low expectation is the bread and butter of the left. Sorry, not sorry. Their entire platform is based on the idea that people can't do for themselves and need the government to make their life easier for them. And of course, when conservatives disagree and believe people should be seen as individuals and expected to figure things out as they become adults that makes them mean old racist or something which makes these findings from Yale researchers all the more interesting once again it's not the Daily Caller it's not the University of Trump or Trump University researchers found that liberal individuals were less likely to use words that would make them appear highly competent when the person they were addressing was presumed to be black rather than white. No significant differences were seen in the world word selections of conservatives. The article states, The researchers found that liberal individuals are less likely to use blah, 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 they're addressing and presumed to be black. No significant differences, blah, 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 Based on the presumed race of their partner. It was kind of an unpleasant surprise to see the subtle but persistent effect, Dupree said. Even if it's ultimately well-intentioned, it could be seen as patronizing. Dupree and Fist suspect that the behavior stems from a liberal person's desire to connect with other races. One possible reason for the competence downshift, as the author described it, is that regardless of race, people tend to downplay their competence when they want to appear likable and friendly. But it's also possible that this happens because people are using common stereotypes in an effort to get along. To their findings, liberals stereotype all black people as stupid fucks, thus Schumer... He's a well-spoken black man. That was like a blip in the media. If a conservative said Barack Obama's a well-spoken black man, we'd have race study all fucking year long. Midterms, next election, they bring it up. Oh, those fucking racist conservatives, they said black Barack Obama's a well-spoken black man. It was a liberal who said it. Fucking his vice president said worse. But I think it's an interior motive. And my tweet's been liked about like a hundred times now, which is kind of surprised me. I said it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with education. See, for liberals, my mother-in-law, God rest her soul, it took 25 years of marriage for she respected me. And it's because one night, I told the wife I'd stay up. I didn't want to, because this lady bought me socks for an entire fucking marriage. Hated my guts. The first time I met her, she handed my wife letters from her old boyfriend who had left. He was in the Air Force. And basically thought I was a low skill set piece of shit. War protester. She was in the 60s, but she was educated. She has a master. She was working on her fucking doctorate. She's a smart woman. And I was a moron. Well, one night we sat in there. We were watching. She wanted to watch a political show. We watched it. We had a long conversation. We stayed up about midnight. And that lasted for the entire week that she was here. And then she said the words that I always hear from liberals. You're really 
well-spoken and articulate, I can't believe you didn't go to college. Because once again, I don't have a degree, so I'm a dumbass. I mean, I just fucking go cow-tipping on my off time. I'm an idiot. I'm not very intelligent. Her degree is who she was. And that's what liberals are. Their degrees are who they are. Their status in life is based on a piece of paper where they went to a bunch of classes that have nothing to do with anything and got a good grade and they passed and they got their degree. Not downplaying college. College is very important. But what I'm saying is that becomes who they are. No different than me. I am a soldier. I'll always be a soldier. I try to distance myself. I try not to think about it. I try not to talk about it. I stop bumper stick in my car I've tried everything to get off I am a soldier but that's what I was my whole life if you make pizza for a whole life you're a fucking pizza maker so I'm a soldier it's still part of my identity because it was a major part of my life so I understand it but their identity is different. I don't walk in a room and look at everybody and go, you bunch of fucking pussies. On 9-11, what were you doing? But for a liberal, they walk in a room, I am so much smarter than everybody. And that translates into the progressive politics. They are so smart, you are so stupid. We know better than you, we will do it. That's why Obama talks down to people, as you heard in the intro, which I forgot to speak about. That's why, oh, you know... Every Democrat goes, well, we're we're taking care of you. You really just let it go and understand at the end, we're here for you because you're a fucking moron. That doesn't change because the person that stands in front of them is black. To them, they have to be uber sensitive to that because they're the ones that make up all these rules about what you can say and not say and what is racist and not racist. So... They get in front of an African-American and they use smaller words and don't be so articulate because they still believe they're the smartest person in the room. It doesn't matter that a Barack Obama was a fucking professor. It doesn't matter that DeGrasse Tyson is a fucking wizard in science. He's black. I'm smarter than him. I will talk in soft words downtrodden plus a lot of the people in this were professors all instructors anybody's ever instructed anything I instructed as a drill sergeant and I instructed as an instructor for primary leadership development course in the army and the first thing they talk about and the first thing they do in all their books is they make it for an 8th to 10th grade education no big words nothing fancy talk down to your crowd make sure you're talking to the lowest common denominator in your crowd so that's what they do to everybody That's what they do. They talk down to them. You're beneath us. Final point. In my tweet, I added, if they did this study in the military, you would find that all officers talk down to fucking enlisted. Because they are the same. They're the same class. They may not be progressive, but they have a degree. I went to fucking West Point. You're a fucking moron E5. Shut the fuck up. I know better than you. Even though I don't know anything about my job, I've never done this job. I didn't get trained to do this job in West Point. Be it fucking missile repair to infantry. But I'm the educated one. You shut your fucking dirty mouth. Very interesting. You'll find conservatives, I believe, being a conservative but not a Republican, I 
don't talk to black people any different than anybody. I don't talk to anybody different. I don't give a fuck where you're from, what your background is. I treat everybody like a human being. I change that when you turn into a dick. As I've always said, I am racist. I am prejudiced. I am sexist. I could be a transphobe. I could be a homophobe. If that person's a fucking dick, then I treat him like shit. Your special qualification or classification doesn't get you away from my wrath of your dick to me because I'm not a dick to you. Moving along. Another interesting thing came out, and I'm surprised this has not turned into Sexism 101. Thought Crusade, T-H-O-T. Mass reports cam girls sex workers to IRS. Women who exchange nude videos, photos, and other sex-related services online for goods and money are apparently being mass reported to IRS by so-called Thought Crusade, once again, T-H-O-T, or Thought Police. For not paying taxes on their income, a flurry of so-called cam girls and sex workers complain and warn others in the field about reporting while men doing the alleged reporting encouraged others to do the same set up on a Facebook page called Sex Worker Revenue Service. The thought, according to the dictionary.com, is a woman considered to be sexually provocative or promiscuous, a slut or whore. Thought is an acronym for the H... The... That... H dot dot over there, that hoe over there, cam girls, or women on the internet who ex- exchange nude photos or sexually natured videos for goods and mo- mo- money. The viral Facebook post from cam girl Alice May warned fellow sex workers about the man supposedly behind the mass reporting IRS, David Wu. This guy is reporting girls, premium Snapchat, and has s- reported 10 girls to the IRS. First of all, the IRS does not need any help to find out if you're not paying your taxes. Second of all, sex workers are always paying their taxes, she wrote in the post, before plugging her service in her Patron account. Wu's Facebook intro reads, Please report sex workers to the IRS or local law enforcement. Thank you. In a 4chan thread, start on Friday, users were encouraged to report all Twitch thoughts, premium Snapchat sluts, etc. to the IRS for tax audit. Do your duty as an American citizen. Report any tax evaders. And I just think that's fucking hilarious. Because you know most of them are. And I've done some research on the Snapchat thing because it came up in an article. I was going to do it and I dropped it off. Not because I'm... I don't even know how to use fucking Snapchat. So there's no way I could ever do whatever the fuck they're doing. But it's a whole other thing. They don't want to go through cams... Because cams, you have to do a W4, a W4 form and all that shit. You, you're a real worker, and they take a percentage of your shit. Well, Snapchat is like people just sending porn pictures to each other. Can't really regulate it. They go through fucking PayPal accounts, make people pay money. Whether they give services or not, you can't report them. So th- this whole thing... It was an interesting byline, and maybe I'll dig it back up, but it was just an interesting one. It was on Drudge, and I didn't even know people did that. I thought Snapchat was for people to take stupid pictures and post pictures of themselves with dog ears. I didn't even know it was a whole communication service. You could talk to people. Never done it. I'm not a Snapchat person. I don't understand it, but whatever. Then we get into our Christmas stuff. The Dorchester, Massachusetts Historical Society has apologized for what, wait for it, Advertising for an upcoming event with a graphic that says, We're dreaming of 
a white Dorchester, which is obviously referring the song, referring to the song White Christmas and Snow. Oh no, 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 no. Word police came out. We are truly sorry about our graphic use for this event. This was an unfortunate oversight on our part, and the event photograph has been removed from our social media. We were simply changing the words to a classic Christmas carol and did not think it through properly because independent resistor, Dorchester history, historical, looks like someone did not proof this. The message of white Christmas implies others are left out. Maybe not intentional, but not how it appears. Major foo-paw. They ended up putting out, may your Dorchester's day be merry and bright. I'm not making that up. White Christmas? Racist! Yeah. And then we get HuffPo. As I tip my hat, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is very, very problematic. The video doesn't have words, so I'm going to play it. So it's basically, hey, look at that. Hey, fire snout, rainbow puss, red schnoz. Stop calling me names. Rudolph the Marginalized Reindeer. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is a holiday classic that returns to TV each holiday season. But lately, viewers are noticing the tale may not be so jolly after all, and they're sharing their observations online. Yearly reminder that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is a parable of racism and homophobia with Santa as a bigot, somebody said. Santa's operation in the HR nightmare is serious need of diversity inclusion training. Hashtag Rudolph. Former fans are pointing out Rudolph's father verbally abuses him. All right, son, tie it on. I don't want it. Daddy, I don't like it. You'll like it or you'll wear it. But, Daddy. Yeah, there is. Self-respect. Santa Claus berates Donner for his son's nose. Oh, my God. The school coach encourages bullying. Donner forbids his wife from joining the search for their son because he's, he's a fucking sexist reindeer. Claire's dad is a bigot. Now there's one thing I want to make very plain. No dough mine is going to be seen with a, a red-nosed reindeer. Even the elf is an outcast for wanting to be a dentist. This is a fucking cartoon, folks. This is a fucking cartoon. A fucking cartoon. An appreciation bit of wisdom from Rudolph. It's good we don't fit in. It means we're different. In the end, Rudolph and friends learn the bitter truth. Speaking of Rudolph, your early reminder, deviation from the norm will be punished unless it's exploitable. Huff post. It's a fucking car tune and the funniest thing before I read the fucking actual articles back in the day this was enlightened progressivism teaching kids to not make fun of other people and don't be a bully and yada 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 but now 
Man, that just shows how far liberals have gone. This is some fucking chewed up shit. Their tweet, the holiday TV classic Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, is seriously problematic. Jesse Kelly, glad somebody is finally pointing out the bigotry of this hateful tale. I mean, one of the reindeers is even named Blitzen. Hitler famously used a Blitzkrieg battle strategy. Can do coincident? I think not. Is that how the media treat it? The Hill. Conservatives protest Huffington Point, Huffington Post, dubbing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer as seriously problematic. Conservatives. Last I checked, most were just making fun of HuffPo. Another one, they're just making fun of HuffPo's extreme on extremely on-brand idiocy. Another one, I see you were able to use a different phrase for conservatives pounce for once, so kudos on learning a new word, but a wet fart for the rest of it. Somebody else said, the next headline, conservatives protest the Hill for saying conservatives protest HuffPost story about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer being problematic. Their article. This is, this is actually an article. HuffPost is facing blowback from conservatives, including Donald Trump Jr., after the progressive publication reported the classic Christmas cartoon. I can't believe they called it progressive. That's No, it's a news agency, I was told. Oh, seriously problematic due to what's seen as a car- cartoon featuring bullying and sexism. Viewers, viewers are noticing the tale may not be so jolly after all, reads the video text in the HuffPo tweet to its 11.4 million followers, and they're sharing their observations. Some social media users highlighted by HuffPo argued Rudolph's father verbally abused him for making him wear a fake nose to gain acceptance. Others note that Rudolph coached another reindeer, laugh and call him names for having a red nose. What's a fucking song, you idiots? In terms of sexism, readers point out a scene that Rudolph's mom wants to join reindeer husband Donner to search for their son, and he says, no, it's man's work. Conservatives including Tommy Laren, Ben Shapiro, and commentator Jesse Kelly, who was recently reinstated to Twitter after controversial suspension, had a field day on Twitter mocking the comments and complaints about the movement, the movie. Rudolph was CBS most watched program on Tuesday, delivering 8.14 million viewers, according to Nielsen. The airing marks the movie's 54th year on the network. There are articles. All right. There's more. This other article comes into more. Um, gathering a digital fireplace to share a moment and what a moment it was. Some people joked that they noticed a few things in the Christmas classic that they didn't always spot or simply ignored when they saw it years ago. Mazza referred to a Twitter video that quoted several characters and listed several sequences out of context while calling Rudolph the marginalized reindeer. The video quoted a post by Gerald Potton who referred to the episode as an annual reminder that it's a parable on racism and homophobia with Santa as a bigoted, exploitative prick. Exploitative prick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Liz Palmtrees observed, in the scene where Rudolph's note is revealed, Santa is kind of a dick. Even Burl's Ives' narrator snowman was hammered when Super 70 Sports claimed... 
After 40 plus years of watching this bastard, I can't remember when Burl Ives actually looked like and refused to Google him and ruin that for myself. As further proof that cultural norms have changed from 60s to today, Mazer hammered Donner when forbidding his wife. Even the young elf is considered an outcast for wanting to be a dentist, the video states. Learn how to wiggle your ears and chuckle warmly and go hee-hee and ho-ho. And important stuff like that for slamming the door on his way out the room. Others, such as poster MJ Kane, simply find the strength to watch the episode again. Those poor elves, that bullying with the whip, abusive deer, dentist shaming, unloved toys. It's too much for me. However, a tweet from Kitty Hawk brought a positive view to the discussion. And yet somehow as a five-year-old, I was able to feel empathy for Rudolph and all the misfits and learn to treat people with respect and kindness. Unlike the emotionally triggered who stomped out any happiness they can find. And that's the point. Back in the fucking day, they were trying to say don't bully people. What the fuck is wrong with you people? Because the bullying today isn't from conservatives. Moment vegans clash with diners after storming steakhouse to play recording of cows being slaughtered. The vegans gang flash anti-meat eating signs and barked out a speech at the Toro Steakhouse in Brighton, England. They even put the video online. I'm not fucking playing it. And then shit like this. This is bullying. Feminist author Jessica Valentini was pretty impressed with a piece in Glamour about a woman who has sworn off cooking for men now that her divorce has come through. Jessica Valentini. I stopped cooking because I wanted to feel an unencumbered as a man walking through the door of his home with the expectation that something has been done for him. This person wrote, It's hard for me to understand what cooking became more repressive than liberation, more act of obligation than act of creation. But I knew it then. This thing that has sustained me now feel like a prison. And whose fault was it? It certainly wasn't all my husband's. After all, hadn't I wanted to cook? Hadn't I enjoyed it? Hadn't I found purpose in the texture of the cinnamon rolls, the ache in my arm as I whisked a French silk pie over a double boiler? But who had that ever been for? I couldn't remember. Somebody wrote, All this piece told me was she attracted men that seemed to be just as selfish as she is. Most men I know cook and grill. Then again, I don't hang out with betas, a woman said, which is so fucking spot on. One, on one hand, I feel bad for women like this who are wronged by beta men. On the other hand, not only did she stand for that shit, now she's generalizing all men. And the vast majority of them aren't assholes. Men generalizing stereotype of women equals sexist. Women generalizing stereotyping men also equals sexist. So end the lesson. Another person. I've cooked for my wife nearly every night for 10 year marriage. Not a single time that I feel degraded or abused for doing so. Then again, I'm not a whiny, whiny pain in the ass seeking perpetual victim status. I'm just a guy who likes to cook and grew up. I said, for 32 years of marriage, me and the wife have gone with whoever's home first cooks, whoever's home cooks. You got the day off. We've shared duties. 
Maybe you should stop dating guys in skinny jeans and more concerned about their man bun than their relationship. Jesus Christ on a popsicle stick. Then there's this woman. She named her kid A, B, C, D, E. I'm not making that up. A, B, C, D, E. It's pronounced absidy. Yeah, I'm still trying to fucking figure out who would name the kid. Name shaming. This Texas woman claims a Southwest Air agent made fun of her five-year-old daughter's name as they were preparing to board a flight. What it comes down to is the person said ABCDE? Is that your name? But no. As people said on this, she'd been waiting her whole life just to become a victim and say, oh, they made fun of my child's name. No, they didn't. You're an idiot that named your fucking kid ABCDE. How the fuck am I supposed to pronounce it ABCDE? How would I know how to pronounce it? I was called something totally different my whole night life because of my real last name, which I don't use on the podcast. My entire life, at no time did I claim victim status. It's a fucking name that's hard to pronounce. Thus, I used read on here. I mean, come the fuck on. <clears throat> then there's the epic, just sweet Jesus, somebody shoot me. Brooklyn-based defense attorney Scott Hellinger went on a multi-tweet rant after well-meaning relatives gave his son this pretty awesome-looking Playmobil police playset over the Thanksgiving holiday. You see, the toy police and the toy set have actual toy weapons, and the only part of the toy that the child gets to actually play with is the helicopter. Here's his... I'm not reading the whole tweet. I'm just going to read parts of it because I lost my fucking mind on this and tweeted back to him. Cache of weapons that came with a Playmobil police helicopter motorcycle given to my son by very, very well-meaning relatives. One gas mask, three handcuffs, one machine gun, one baton, one ass, one set of handcuffs, one flashlight. Loves the helicopter. I confiscated the rest. Why are these included? Approximately 2,900 people have been shot by police in America since Michael Brown killing in 2014. An ass was used when they beat up one of my clients. After Rodney King's horrific assault, the baton became a symbol of law enforcement. In 1990, it was used 741 times by LAPD. By 2015, that number declined to 54. Still necessary for these toys, though. Someone 190 might need a beating, I guess. The image, this gas mask, this anonymous officer, in light of what we've seen with violent suppression of peaceful protests historically, and what we're hearing and seeing now on the border with CBP agents hurling poisonous gas at unarmed women. It's just too much. Even the more benign common items are all too familiar tools of capture and invasion of privacy my clients face every day. Early morning home raids with strobe light effects of officer flashlights. Used to terrorize, to injure, to suppress voice, violate rights. Then he found out they had a goddamn prison and lost his lunch over machine guns. And this guy's a defense attorney. So if you're a bad person, this is the guy you want. Because he seems to hate cops more than you do. What the fuck, Chuck? To our normal idiots. We only have one idiot crime. 
Man behind bars following arrest in bizarre potato rage incident. And like Dana Loesch's radio show, it's a Florida man. A Florida man upset that his baked potato was undercooked allegedly stabbed a woman in the head with a fork in a domestic spud rage incident earlier this morning. Kenneth Crumpton, 36, was busted today on felony aggravated battery with a weapon charge in connection with the 12.30 a.m. attack inside a Jacksonville area residence. Crumpton seen at right is being held in Nassau County Jail in lieu of a $25,000 bond. He became displeased when the preparation of his potato repeatedly stabbed the victim in the head with a fork. Police noted that blood was visible on the woman's head and that she had suffered multiple stab wounds. During the questioning, Crumpton told police that he did not stab the woman. Instead, he claimed to have thrown the fork, which glanced off her head. The woman was not seriously injured and declined police offer medical assistance. According to the arrest report, deputies seized the fork using the attack and a bloody shirt as evidence. Wow. You really gotta chill out if you're stabbing somebody over fucking potato. Two are lighter fare. Two are funny stuff. Uh, this one crashed me up. It probably wasn't funny for parents, but Amazon blasted for selling hardcore porn videos in dad's gifts. Story goes, search dad's gifts and you can find dad is fucking my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, it was in there. It's been fixed, but somehow third party sellers, that stuff got caught in to it, um, which... I didn't know Amazon sold porn. I guess they do in the UK uh, through per- third parties. But damn, dude, that's that's pretty fucked up. Insight is catching rays on Mars. I wanted to do a positive story about it, but it's impossible because of the left. Um, they did land. They're taking new photos. The science is starting. It's pretty fucking cool. Um, but... What do you think the left did with it? And of course, they took this and they try to slam it in with all these other crazy things, and it became climate change. If you're not willing to listen to scientists about climate change, you may want to rethink your excitement over the Mars landing. Credit for that goes to science and engineering, and you can't pick and choose which science you choose to acknowledge. Tom Elliott. If you're not willing to listen to witch doctors about the importance of bloodletting, you may want to rethink your excitement over the new iPhone. Head over to Phoenix Timeline if you want a rebuttal to all these. She's keeping busy not changing one mind at all. Weston Rancell, as long as you don't choose to discard or just data points that don't disagree with your theory, empirical science. You know, real scientific method not. Hundreds of scientists now believe you don't believe in science. Junk science is your foe. Not us, skeptics. Tall Dave. Scientists have successfully sent dozens of spacecraft to Mars since the 60s. Over that period, virtually every proposed model of climate has eventually failed, including a spate of 70s global cooling models and the spread of ECS in current mode. I just realized anyone with a four-year degree in, let's say, biology can call themselves a scientist. I bet there's a lot of people out there who didn't 
realize they can legit call themselves a scientist. Huge difference between factual landing on Mars, studying the planet, and the political propaganda on climate change, spooed for grants and increasing government power over people. Can I only listen to the scientists who have no financial or career incentives that might distort their perceptions? Then there's unreliable. He first... That's unreliable, as in Brian, reliable sources, Seltzer. Such a bad contrast. At the same time, NASA experts are celebrating a successful landing on Mars. Trump is dismissing the new climate change report. I don't believe it. Rick. One is a group of scientists, engineers working for years as a term for a goal beyond their own self-interest. The other is a science-denying, narcissist, unloyal, flim-flam man. Which one would you place your lives generation in? So somebody decided to take his rant of the day and do it like we all hear it. The biggest story of the weekend, well, everywhere except the pro-Trump media, is that big climate change report with dire new warnings released by the Trump administration on Friday. Most of the major networks cover the report in detail. It's been a big story on cable news, except for Fox News. Instead of engaging in climate change denialism, they just ignored the problem altogether, which I would argue is another form of denialism. I put that in the light of fair because it's just so funny how these people, it doesn't matter what it is. They always have to politically locate it to something else. They just, they just do and they don't realize that they're just super fucking hypocrites. They, they don't even think before they go into these mass hysteria and because he dropped it on a Friday. Listen, there is climate change. But most of America, including the progressives that live in the bubble who seem to do nothing about it, as studies have shown, and actually talk about it but don't actually alter their lifestyles, it's not as dire as you're saying it is, but you link everything to climate change. If I have a wet fart, you say, well, because of your wet fart, we're going to die. Or you wouldn't have had a wet fart, but it is the change of the GMOs and blah, blah, fucking blah. And you look like idiots. And remember, your first I 100% believe in climate change Professor Obama spent all his time talking off his nose and insulting people and you are trying to still push it through ulterior sources, through everything like Trevor Noah. It's a horrible segue, but you'll get it in a second. And he was on The View this week and this is what he said about Obama. There's this Obama story right. which... You were embarrassed. I mean, it was pretty embarrassing. It was really embarrassing, but you know what? I I, I got to meet uh, President Obama in the White House, and it was one of the most amazing experiences. But, Mm -hmm. like, we get there. And you know what happens is when you meet people who are beyond famous, like, there are some people where you just, you lose what your brain is supposed to be doing. So the mouth, the brain, nothing connects, nothing works. So, like, when he walked in, I was was like, in my head, I was like, oh, yeah, but, you know, President Obama's going to walk in, and I'll say this to him. I'll make a joke about Africa, Africa, me, Africa, him, Africa thing, you know? And then he walked 
walked in, and he was like, uh, Trevor? And I was just like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> <laughs> I did, And I honestly didn't know what to say. We, 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 and we had a good time. We had this interview. And I tell the story in the special about how the worst part was, it was just a moment where my brain froze because he asked me about this event, and he was like, uh, Trevor, you know, I'm doing a little thing uh, for my AIDS, and I'd hope uh, that you'd be there. And I was like, you, you have AIDS? And he was, I was like, what? <laughs> And, my, and he was like, what? And I was like, no, what, you? And then, he, and, then, and then he explained. And I mean, it's obvious now. Don't get me wrong. It's obvious now. But it, like, it threw me off completely. Like, we don't say that where I'm from. We don't have, like, no one's going like, ah, let me introduce you to my AIDS. That's not a thing in Africa. And I get it now. I totally get it. But it was like one of the craziest moments to have with the president. But he was nice about it. He didn't laugh at me. He didn't insult me. The problem is, that's supposed to be the new Jon Stewart, but that's the media at all. Your brain froze for eight years. He could say anything and you would just nod and bob your head like a bunch of trained seals. And I thought it was just apropos. Hearing these rants about climate change and everything else, and you got Trevor Noah out there just fucking saying it. He's saying it. And don't tell me he's a comedian, because he's not. The Daily Show is not a comedic show. It uses comedy to push progressive dogma. <clears throat> Additionally, and off the subject before we get one last serious subject that happened this week. Um, this was on Twitter. And I want you to think, in your lifetime, will anybody do something like this about Islam? Would you ever see this about Islam? And would you ever see a religious figure mocking a political party? You're dual mocking in this video, Jesus Christ, and saying this is what conservatives... Would you ever hear Jesus Christ used to demean a political opponent towards the left? And if you ever saw that, would it be tolerated in our mainstream media? Because this was all over Twitter. And this to me is just fucked up. Truly I say unto you, whoever welcomes one of these little ones in my name might be letting in a murderer or a drug. Let's get her to a detention center. You know, so we can figure out what's going on. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. And behold, now I'm all lazy and entitled. You shouldn't have done that. Do unto others as you suspect they might want to do unto you. What is a man profited if he gain the whole world but lose his soul? A lot. He has profited a lot. One soul for the whole world, that is an amazing deal. Why do you look at the speck of dust in your brother's eye, but ignore the plank in your own? Because of 
her emails. Yes. If a man strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him and shoot him. That is the law. If you want to be perfect, go. Sell all the possessions that you have and give the money to a solid mutual fund. By this, they will know that you are my disciples. That you say, Merry Christmas! Christ Christmas! That's my name in there and I put it in there because I wanted it in there so we could all celebrate Big Boy Jesus' birthday time! Okay? Okay. Rabbi, Rabbi, surely you can heal me. My child, of course I could. But who would pay for it? I don't understand. I don't have any money. Yes, it is a sad story, but it does not make me responsible. It is super duper easy for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. The richer the better, really. Maybe get a solid gold house, just to be sure. Love your neighbor as yourself. Unless you are better than your neighbor, then tell them that they're weird and you do not want to bake them a cake. You have heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you, any man who looks upon a woman with lust in his heart should go ahead and do what he's gotta do. Lord, your followers grow hungry and we have only this fish and bread. Oh, sweet. The New York Times and Washington Post would do 12,000 articles if that was about Muslims or the inverse, it was somebody saying, this is what Jesus would talk like if he was a Democrat. The funniest thing about that, you don't even believe in him progressives. You think the whole God, Jesus is a bunch of fucking bullshit made up by weak minded losers. Your life is science. Science has proven there's no God. Science has also proven this year that transgenderism is normal. I don't know how science did it, but Bill Nye is pushing that shit. So our last article before we close, it was a late entry, so I put it on the back end. This guy is a hateful, hateful racist, Mark Lamont Hill. And he did a rant at the UN about, I'm not going to play it. His basic thing is this whole free Palestine. And he said from sea to sea, there should be freedom for the Palestinians. The way it came out made the world, other than the media, think it was pretty anti-Semitic. And I have it, I'm not going to play it. Seth Mandel, has CNN even acknowledged the MLH stuff yet? A statement at least? No, they didn't. And this started percolating for two days. Point is, whether CNN keeps an advocate of anti-Semitic violence on the payroll is one thing. MSDNC does. But I can't understand ignoring something like this completely, essentially telling its Jewish viewers that there's nothing wrong here. Also worth keeping in mind, quite aside from Mark Lamont Hill's call for genocide, he specifically and clearly advocated for violence against Jews mere weeks after Pittsburgh. This is CNN. Later, I've never been... I've never been naive about anti-Semitism in America, 
But honestly, never thought I'd see a mainstream CNN guy and professor on camera shout, Free Palestine from the river to the sea at the UN. To thunderous applause and see a collective shrug from even non-socialist liberals. Seriously, what the hell is wrong with you guy? This is a dog whistle. This is basically the Jews will not replace us. I get that it sucks to see people on your side of the aisle turn out to be despicable anti-Semites, but get the hell out of your chair, you complacent cowards. Mark Lamont Hill, during this, and the internet went crazy, basically doubled down. Yesterday I gave a speech to the UN in which I critiqued Israel's policies and practices towards Palestinians. It's baffling how people are not responding to their critique, but instead responding to things I actually said. In my speech, I talked about the need to return to pre-1967 borders to give full rights to Palestinian citizens of Israel and to allow the right of return. No part of this is a call to destroy Israel. It's absurd on its face. I believe in full rights for all citizens. I believe in safety for all citizens. I believe in self-determination for all citizens. This is not an anti-Semitic position. While I have my own belief about one versus two state solutions, I prefer one. It is not my job as an outsider to decide for Palestinians or Israel. Regardless of the resolution, however, Palestinians cannot be deemed freedom self-determination or human rights unfortunately we are in a moment where any critique of the israeli government is called anti-semitic any call for palestinian freedom is seen as an attempt to diminish israeli freedom this does not have to be nor should it be the case concluding my remarks with a call to free palestine from river to sea this means that all areas of historic palestine the west bank gaza israel must be spaces of freedom safety and peace for Palestinians. Anyone who studies the region or the history of Palestinian nationalism knows that the river to sea has been and continues to be a phrase used by many factions, ideologies, movements, and politicians. The problem with that is it's not used as he's saying it. It's used as wipe Israel out. Everybody knows that. That email eventually did him in. CNN confirms, or not email, tweet, that Mark Lamont Hill is out, Sean Davis. The one-sentence statements from CNN is his story doesn't say why he's no longer under contract with CNN, nor does it condemn or even reference his long history of anti-Israel and anti-Semitic statements, including at the UN yesterday. Utterly bizarre. So this happened on, uh, today's Friday, it was Wednesday. The only person that went to his defense was Glenn Greenwald. Please read this. CNA may do the cowardly thing and fire Mark Lamont Hill for Israeli comments that are 100% mainstream and acceptable among those who know anything about the debate. In the U.S., the only permittable position is two-state solution, even though Israel made it a fairy tale. And he goes on to bash CNN for firing him. AG conservative, it's actually rather silly for CNN to fire him over this, given it's consistent with plenty of offensive things he has said for years. They should have never hired him and should answer for why they did. But in the end, it is the first time I've seen CNN bow to Twitter. It's never happened. I mean, if they did this for Jim Acosta, he would have been fired four years ago. I mean, the guy's a fucking jackass. The moment he said, I'm right next to Obama, and I'm fucking organizing, like I played on the show, 
He should have been fired, but they didn't. So this guy has been fired for his statements yesterday because the pressure got too much and this anti-Semitism thing is. Now, I don't think CNN saw what he said as anti-Semitism. They're for divestment. They hate Israel. But they can't rightly stand on their podium every day and say, Trump's an anti-Semite, all the rights anti-Semite, this right-wing fucking crime spree of killing people and Jews are being tortured in the streets by Trump supporters. They can't do that when they have a guy on their network all the time saying anti-Semitic things. Now, if Joy Reid could get fired, then that would be an accomplishment because she's the real anti-Semite. But it was interesting, and since I didn't do an hypocrisy, I'm kind of getting away from that segment because this whole thing is hypocrisy in my eyes. Um... I wanted to get it in. So he was fired for what he said. Now, I have made it pretty clear I'm pro-Israel. I'm for Israel. Palestinian state is a terrorist state in my eyes. It always has been. It, I mean, 300 missiles the other day? I mean, for Christ's sake, these people are killing normal people. They're the ones bombing buses. Israel isn't lobbing shit into their country until they clear spaces and then go back. They have to do that every four or five fucking years because they keep on putting all these goddamn launcher points for rockets and mortars and all this shit in the buffer zone. So I'm for it. And when Israel went in and wiped them motherfuckers out, I was I was happy as a fucking pig and shit because I don't see it. I know we created the problem. I'm not stupid. I've done research. I'm not an idiot. I know this is a made-up state. After World War II, it fucked a bunch of people out of their land. Get over it. That was 1947. Or 40-whatever the fuck it was. It's, It's a long time ago. Israel is our ally. Palestine will never be America's ally because Palestine is full of a bunch of goddamn Islamists that if they had it their way, we'd end up like the Zionists and be wiped off the fucking map. So all these liberals only side with it because they hate America too. So they're against Israel. And if you really want to break it down, that's the most hypocritical thing we've had since the the Tree of Life shooting, all this anti-Semitic shit, and look at those conservatives, and blah, 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 blah. The most anti-Semitic people in the world is our media. They criticize Israel for everything and rush to the aid of Palestinians. Explain away Palestinian atrocities all the time. Yeah, you could say Fox News goes to Israel's aid when they go wipe out half a fucking the buffer zone and scorch earth that shit. Sure. But that's the only time they do it. They don't watch 400, 300 fucking rockets in midday into downtown and kill innocent people. Palestine does that. So, <clears throat> interesting event. I'll cover it more next podcast. I'm sure there's going to be more fallout on it. Um, he'll probably end up at MSNBC. Or on CNN, you know, ABC will bring him back for fucking this week and he'll be able to defend himself. Or maybe Chuck Todd will bring him on because he's into Antifa. So he'll bring this guy on and go, yeah, fuck them Jews. 
Fuck them all. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please feel free to share this with your family and friends and send comments about the track or suggestions for segments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Podcast gmail.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. I tried to shut down the website. It is going to stay active until March. If you'd like to check it out, it's F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. FOPpodcast.com. I'm going to feed through January uh, release on every episode on the episode release page. But like I said, uh, after the new year, I'm not going to be using that anymore. I paid out for a year. Um, but I'm going to shut it off. It's it's a you know it's a lot of money. 15 bucks a month for stupid. You know, nobody really goes there. Our next podcast, um, I'm going to shoot for Wednesday. So we're going to go to December 5th. December 5th. 5th of December, year of our Lord, 2018. will be our next podcast. Please stay safe out there. If you're where I'm living, it's going to go hot, cold, hot, cold, snow, no snow. So thunderstorms, we've got all sorts of crazy shit. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeahs. It's the holiday season so watch some christmas movies with your kids your loved ones and enjoy the holiday season and don't be a dick there's nothing wrong with frosty rudolph they're fucking cartoons they're not deep thought or a sign of the patriarchy just let it go and tune in next wednesday as always thanks for listening Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at foppodcast.com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.